0: There is no better place. It's time to talk. The you want to get the anti-during cock, down to Neil Prenderville, you know? Talk
1: to Fair play.
0: That's a cork threat <laughs> at this stage, I think. <laughs> the Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. I just love cork people. Conversation that matters.
2: It's 11 minutes past nine. Good morning, Mick Mulcahy on The Neil Prenderville Show, and uh, let's have a quick look at the morning papers. In the mail today, motorists warned as temperatures plummet to minus 5 degrees. Snow and ice have been causing travel disruption to some parts of the country. Temperatures dropping as low as minus 5 in some areas last night and even colder as we've just told you in some areas of Cork. The cold snap is set to continue throughout the week. Met Aaron issuing a yellow low temperature and ice warning uh, for some counties, not for Cork, but for Donegal, Leitrim, Mayo and Sligo. Met Aaron also warned of possible sleet or snow showers as temperatures plummet. Rough sleepers, your high Heart must go out to them at this very cold time of the year. Uh, They mirror today, one of their headlines is Rough sleepers at risk uh, warning as Mercury falls. Homeless charities voiced fears yesterday about health risks to those on the streets amid snow and ice weather alerts. Yesterday, Metair and issued a week-long warning for freezing conditions as temperatures were set to plummet to minus 5 degrees last night. And a spokesperson for St Vincent de Paul told the Irish Mirror, we're concerned at the impact the current cold snap will have on the homeless and those already struggling to keep their homes warm. SVP St Vincent de Paul last year received 20,000 calls seeking help with energy and utility bills, while another 33,000 calls uh, were from people struggling with both food and energy costs. And We hope to be spe- uh, speaking for, to a member of St. Vincent de Paul on the programme this morning. Electric boost, some good news. Energy costs have been slashed, or will be slashed, for 1.1 million Irish homes. Now, the Sun reporting, a uh, nice report by Daniel Masterson. Electric Ireland has slashed its energy costs sparking hopes of a price war that would save consumers hundreds of euro a year. The provider yesterday confirmed it's cutting its unit rate of electricity by 8%. I don't think that comes into play until next month, Uh, however. uh, That'll be a saving of about €150 for over 1.1 million households. The gas unit rate and standing charge will be slashed by 7%, saving about 110 Euro per year, maybe just a little over that and dual fuel customers are therefore benefiting from just over 260 euro a year in savings. Hope for restaurants, uh, we spoke about this in great detail yesterday on the programme but hope for restaurants is the big headline on the front of today's Echo Cafe tax relief may be offered, says Martin Amy Power reporting that Tonish to Martin has said that the government may allow cafes and restaurants struggling to stay afloat to defer the uh, tax liability payments uh, we mentioned yesterday. These are the warehoused COVID uh, taxation payments uh, that were allowed to be paid on the never-never, if you like. But um, the uh, time limit is soon expiring. So maybe a new extension there would help some of the uh, cafes and hospitality restaurants etc uh, in the hospitality area and give them the uh, you know that little bit of solace they need financially uh, to even contemplate con- uh, continuing uh, but by all accounts very bleak in the sector at the moment back to the echo Uh, Mihal Martin's comments come amid a recent raft of closures in Cork and across the country. The RAI the Restaurants Association of Ireland called for urgent intervention to combat what it has described as a crisis in the industry Uh, We'll do what we can to help said Mihal Martin. Uh, Speaking in relation to the VAT rate, Mr. Martin pointed out that the 13.5% had been the rate pre-Covid and its reduction by 4.5% was introduced as a temporary measure. When we did bring it down, a lot of the hotels didn't bring down prices. The prices went up, as we witnessed across many towns and cities in the country, if the truth be told. uh, But we did bring in the 250 million euro as a way of helping businesses generally in the cost of living packages. So there's no denying there were government supports in COVID times, But the bounce back really isn't there for the uh, hospitality industry. 3.5 million euro storm payouts uh, also on the Echo Front page. Almost 3.5 million euro has been paid out to Cork businesses devastated by floods during Storm Babbitt. Uh, under government schemes set up in the aftermath of October's weather event, which caused devastation in Middleton and other areas in East and North Cork. According to information provided by the Irish Red Cross, which is administering the schemes, these are a scheme set up by the Department of Enterprise, Trade and Employment. Uh, a total of uh, 3.428 million has been paid to 164 applicants so far. In Cork. Ross Gray is all over social media, all over the uh, morning papers as well, uh, makes the big headline on the front of the mail. Ross Gray Gardie warned of arson threat. A Fáil TD raised the alarm as protesters and officers clash outside hotel for refugees. Gardie clashed with protesters at a hotel earmarked for asylum seekers yesterday after a demonstrator warned they would burn it down days later. Tension spilled over outside the Racket Hall Hotel in Gray and County Tipperary when a group of 17 refugees, understood to be women and children, became the first of a planned 160 international protection seekers to be housed in the town's only hotel. The Garda Public Order Unit was drafted in from Dublin to deal with protests of up to 200 people from Gray and further afield following days of protests at the site Clashes broke out between some demonstrators and guardie when a bus carrying the refugees arrived outside the hotel. Uh, the sun today. It's Stop Operation Transformation. Operation Transformation host Catherine Thomas has said the jury is still out on controversial weight loss drug Ozempic. It emerged over the weekend that dietitian Eva Hearn quit the RTE show after she was not allowed to share information about weight loss drugs with participants. her and left Operation Transformation in 2022 after nine years with the show. And speaking to the Irish Sun last week, Catherine Thomas said she believes more research is needed before they can be used to shed pounds. To the, uh, the Sun now, and cut the levies on zero alco bevies. Um, that's a nice little rhyme. The government should slash taxes on non-alcoholic beers and wines to boost the spirits of people taking part in dry January. A former minister, uh, justice minister has claimed. Finnegale's Charlie Flanagan is taking part in the trend that sees people give up the booze for the month. Uh, but he's raging against the price of non-alcoholic beers in our pubs and shops. They cost the same, pretty much, as a regular tipple. Uh, the Leashawfali TG has written to Finance Minister Michael McGrath urging him to slash the 23% VAT on non-alcoholic Uh, Beers and wines. And to encourage people who are off the booze, he believes the cut should happen as soon as possible. Uh, With all of the levies, it's it's amazing that the uh, non-alcoholic tipples are at the same price as those containing alcohol. Women's place vote to pass easily, says Poll. This is the Mail today. Two constitutional amendments sought on March the 8th. Uh, three-fifths of people back change removing the reference to women's place in the home in the Constitution and just over half support change to the definition of family in upcoming uh, referendums, uh, a poll has shown. The government is expected to win the two referendums in March to remove language from the Constitution around a woman's place in the home and broaden the definition of family. Uh, a poll conducted uh, by a Uh, on behalf of uh, the DMG Ireland Media Group, has found. But the government has yet to begin the Yes campaign, with less than eight weeks to go to the votes uh, due to be held on International uh, Women's Day on March 8th, a topic I'm sure we'll be covering in the near future, on this program, uh, Luke State cleanup after eighth attack. Uh, Dublin City Council crews are working to clean up the statue of revered late musician Luke Kelly after it was vandalized for the eighth time in five years. The modern sculpture it was unveiled by President Michael D. Higgins in January 2019 and has been the target of uh, many attacks. Number eight now, uh, pictured in the Irish Daily Star today. The cleaning up after vandals defaced uh, the sculpture. Uh, they put uh, kind of a pair of sunglasses uh, on the uh, late musician's statue. Uh, it's a striking, striking uh, s- sculpture. Uh, it's it's more all the more lifelike because it has or uh, as close as you could have uh, to real hair and uh, hair and the beard. Uh, but Dublin City Council crews are working to clean up the statue of uh, the late musician Luke Kelly. The worried children of today want a serious word. This is the UK Times front page. We get all the papers here. Uh, asked a decade ago what their word of the year was. British youngsters opted for something predictably childish. <clears throat> Minion. A servant or unimportant person, according to the Oxford English Dictionary. Or for the under-14s of 2014, a small, yellow, one-eyed creature in dungarees brought to life in the animated film Despicable Me. But the uh, their word of the year uh, was... Uh, for, was Minion, and uh, of course it has different meanings for different people. Finally, a tracking device has been used to find stolen flower baskets. A community group who had hanging baskets of flowers stolen on a previous occasion decided to put a tracking device in one basket last summer, and when six more baskets went missing... They were tracked to the home of a Carrigaline woman, it's been claimed. The allegation was made at Cork District Court in the case against Mary O'Driscoll of Ballet Road in Carrigaline, who faces a charge of possession of stolen flower baskets. Sergeant Pat Lyons gave a summary of the alleged incident so that Judge Mary Dorgan could decide if she would accept jurisdiction to deal with the matter at district court level. Uh, As Sergeant Lyons explained, between May 29th and May 31st uh, there were six hanging baskets and flowers stolen from Inch, Killer County Cork. They were valued at 180 or €30 each. Uh, Because something similar happened the year before, members of the local community put up the baskets put an Apple tracker device into one of the baskets and the tracker gave its location as Mr Driscoll's address. Gardee then obtained a warrant to search her property and found all six baskets and the tracking device at her home and she was charged with being in possession of the baskets knowing uh, or being reckless as to... Uh, whether they were stolen. Twenty-two minutes past nine.
3: Text or WhatsApp Neil now. Oh eight six eight one oh four one oh six.
0: The Neil Frendaville Show on Red FM.
2: And a very good morning at twenty-six minutes past nine from the Neil Frendville Show. This is Mick Mulcahy. More than a quarter of a million calls for help were received by the Society of St. Vincent de Paul last year. It's a 10% increase on the number of calls in 2022. Just over 90,000, or a third of the callers, were requesting help with food. Close to 30,000 people have sought help from St. Vincent de Paul, were doing so for the first time. Uh, and over 20,000 calls related to those seeking help with energy and utility bills, another 33,000 calls were from people struggling with both food and energy costs of course the numbers as you would expect peaked in the run up to christmas Jerry Garvey is the St Vincent de Paul regional coordinator uh, for southwest good
4: morning Jerry good morning Mick nice to speak to you
2: okay not 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 a happy topic but Cork SVP are also seeing an increase in calls uh, last year many people seeking help in food energy and utility bills whatever about your regular callers if if i could if i could call them that i don't want to To you know, I don't want to get too hard in in, into each and every situation, but there is a stark number of people, thirty thousand, and each with their own story of mental anguish, uh, and probably finding no recourse other than to pick up the phone and make that very difficult phone call for the first time. Can we just look at those people? Thirty thousand people contacting you for the first time.
4: Yeah, that's right, Mick. It's, it's it's a trend we've seen growing over the last, I suppose, two to three years. And I often kind of categorize them as the working poor because a significant number of those would be people who are working, uh, you know, would be used to paying their, their rent or their mortgage, paying their bills, buying the food, eating the house and all that. And in many cases, even giving a few bob to charities like ourselves. But with the cost of living increases... Huge increases in, you know, a couple of years back there in energy and food and everything else, which are only now very slowly beginning to ease. But wages and income certainly haven't kept pace with the huge cost of living. So a lot of these people who were before reasonably comfortable to manage are now finding themselves seriously struggling. And then they're having to turn to us.
2: Okay, so a member of a struggling family calls you for the first time. Um, Do you take every call as genuine? Or are there some parameters that must be met before assistance is given?
4: Well, we we will treat everyone as a genuine call. And the way we work is once the call comes in, we take the details from the person and two of our member volunteers will go and visit that person or family in their home and they'll do what we call an assessment of needs. Basically just sit down and have a chat about what the circumstances are, what incomes come in the household, what their needs are and what the gaps are. So that's our way, if you like, of trying to discern the genuine ones from... The, the occasion ones that may not be so genuine and that's always the case okay tell but me if in doubt, we will always give a bit of help
2: okay tell me about the range of services that you offer it's not just uh, food or in certain cases uh possibly a, a financial injection uh, you're also looking at school books uh, help with heating household goods furniture clothing support that that sort of thing
4: a- absolutely the, the way we work it is the, the most urgent needs will be obviously the basics things you need to live that would be food accommodation heat uh, and once those needs are met we kind of look to the next stage so okay how can we help someone further to, to maybe make themselves self-sustainable uh, the books was a huge issue up to fairly recently but thankfully now the, at the primary level books are being covered and they're moving on to secondary level so that's becoming a little bit less of an issue but overall education costs still uh, you know remain very high whether it's helping people buying uniforms back to school costs uh, and in particular, we, we target an awful lot in third level education, because the, the old story, you know, if you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, but teach him to fish, and you feed him for life. So we would be very much of the view that a lot of people would be struggling, they may not be able to cover the costs of third level education. If we can help them for those couple of years to get through and get a primary degree, diploma, trade or whatever it is. They okay. have a much How- better chance of getting a better quality job, better income, and they won't fall into this trap.
2: How are you funded, Jerry? Is, are, do you have government subvention or is it completely voluntary funded?
4: It, it's pretty much completely voluntary funded. Uh, we have a C scheme, which is obviously state-sponsored, and we get a very small bit of funding, but it's you know less than 1%. Most of our funding comes through donations and fundraising, and to be honest, it's the, the good people of Cork and other areas who, who dig deep and help us out in the time of need.
2: Are, are you constantly in need of funds yourselves or do you have a war chest you hardly would
4: well we, we're always in need of funds we we tend to try and work at least 6 to 12 months in advance uh, because you know you, you can't give services now if you don't have the money to pay for them so we would be now fundraising for a couple of months time I see uh, and thankfully we, we, we're reasonably good funding but it's 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 a never ending conveyor belt because if the funds don't co- keep coming in we can't c- keep giving the help out and we're very grateful for the, for, the, for the fantastic support we get from the people of Cork. I mean, we're, we're just finishing our cards off of this year. We'll be drawing the tickets next week. And I think we've, we've generated quite a little bit of income from that. And our, our annual appeal through Christmas, there was quite a lot of support came in from, from the good people of Cork again, which kind of, if you like, refills, the war chests. For yep. the remainder of the winter, and that's really important.
2: Okay, I didn't want to concentrate on just uh, those who are calling you for the first time, because there's there's a family behind each number here. A ten percent increase in calls uh, from 2022 to 2023 doesn't make for good reading. Ninety thousand uh, calls, over a third of the callers requesting help with food, uh, twenty thousand calls uh, requesting help with energy and utility bills. I I, I think it's important for our listeners to recognise. That behind each of these numbers, behind each of these statistics, uh, is a family or a small or large family trying to tread water, trying to survive, uh, you know, trying to move forward. Uh, and, and they're doing that in, in the face of essentially rising living costs. I know inflation is dropping. I know there's predicted uh, drops in, in energy coming our way. Um, but it's still tough times ahead.
4: It is very tough times ahead. I mean, as I said earlier, our volunteers go and meet people in their homes, and that's when you really get a stark reminder of what the reality is for them. Because someone might be looking for a little bit of help with food, but when they go and visit the house, they might find that you know the house is cold, there isn't sufficient heat, maybe the washing machine is broken. They haven't asked for that because they're afraid to ask for too much. Yeah. So you know, we try and give people that extra little bit of dignity and support to get the basics. But as you say, cost of living has has remained stubbornly high and unfortunately the income levels haven't matched that so the society is constantly saying we should be benchmarking our social protection system you know, to, to, to make, basically look at what people need to live a good basic life and try and make sure that all the services match that whether it's social welfare or pay.
2: Okay, coincidentally Jerry, these, these numbers came out in the coldest snap of the year um, and we must think of those people living on the streets I know maybe it's not your area in full uh, people living on the streets and people who who have a roof over their head who can't afford to turn on the heating
4: Yeah it, it, it's a huge pressure this time of the year and one of the things that we do is we're, we're, we're supporting people through energy vouchers uh, the society has invested quite a lot in energy vouchers to help people so that if, if they need a bit of support and they can't pay that electricity bill they should just pick up the phone and come forward and talk to us and we will help them out because the, the, the last thing you want is seeing any family or individual cold at this horrible freezing time of the year you know for the next Two months, I'd say it's going to be probably fairly tough.
2: Okay, and how can people contact you, Jerry at St. Vincent de Paul? And more importantly, how can people support you?
4: In either case, they can either call into any one of our offices or shops throughout Cork or Kerry. They can pick up the phone and just call us. Our our Cork number is four two seven zero four double four. 444. Uh, they can, you know, talk to their local members that they might know. They can link up through our church collections monthly at most churches. And all those ways will make sure that, that the funding gets to us, which is redistributed among the local area again.
2: Okay, four two seven zero four double four is it? That's, That's it. Oh two one four two seven zero four double four. Thank you very much for coming on, Jerry Garvey, Saint Vincent de Paul Regional Coordinator. And continued success and appreciation for all of the efforts of you and your colleagues. Thanks, Jerry. Thank you, Mick.
3: The Neil Prendiville Show on Red FM.
0: Conversation that matters.
2: Hello. Very good morning from the Neil Prendival Show. Twenty-one minutes to ten o'clock. Katrina Toomey of Core Penny Dinners joins us on line three. A busy day for you guys yesterday, Katrina?
5: Yeah, it was very busy. You know, six and o'clock in the morning. I heard you were out. It's six o'clock every morning. The lads, you know, head out at six o'clock in the mornings, and um, then they head into Penny Dinners because we have to be ready to serve at nine a.m. You know, people are cold at that time and hungry. And And between 6 o'clock
2: and 9 in the morning, are they giving out a bit of sustenance to those who who survive the cold conditions?
5: We open our doors. No, we open our doors at 9 o'clock, but we have to do all the cooking because everything is prepared, you know, fresh for the day and stuff. So it takes a while to get everything ready. Mm -hmm. So that's why they have to come earlier because our numbers have increased. So they've been doing that now quite a while. I'm sure they're all exhausted. I know they're all exhausted. We all are. You know, we had a tough Christmas, and you, you know, a lot of people would say, "Look, when the Christmas rush is over, things will die down." But it's 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 equally as bad, or even worse. You know, there are more people coming, new faces every day now, and um, you know, people are just crying out in in want and in despair. And it's it's as simple as that. The cost of living is crippling them. The cost of heating their homes is crippling them. The cost of everything is crippling them.
2: So, Katrina, you, you, seem, I, you seem to have boundless energy and you seem to have an unbreakable spirit and determination to keep helping people. I know you've been recognised for that, but how do you keep going? And, and, and what's the worst time of the year? It must be after Christmas, is it?
5: I, I think um, after Christmas, is. I've always said, it is worse for people because they're facing into a bleak year. And if they've had anything in their pockets or in their credit union or whatever, they've probably used that up for Christmas if they have families. And I think they face into the year, then like you know, and it's it's hard. And then they realise like that they have nothing. They so are starting a new year, you know. You you ended it with nothing, and you're starting it with nothing. And there's no uh, change in uh, you know on, in the foreseeable future for lot of them. And look, we need only look around us to see what's happening in the city where businesses close and businesses that have been around for a long time. Loads of them, and that's a sign of the times that we're in at the minute. It's uh, you know, a bleak you city now at the minute. Um, talk, and I suppose the whole country is suffering the same fate. But you've everybody just saying that they, you know, like before going back, like to you know, years like Penny Dinners was just there for people who were kind of we class funded the drink. Well, you know, we have families, you know, you've everybody you now coming. And people that have been working, people that have professionals people that have great jobs and everybody's a lot of people seem to be hitting hard times mm, I, And, I, I
2: and as, as much as you're a, a beacon of hope for many, many people around Cork Katrina, you're also sadly the barometer for many of hardship or of what people are going yeah. through. The last two nights must have been particularly bad.
5: Oh look we were frozen ourselves you know we were absolutely, you know crippled with the cold like and, and getting out of the van and getting back in like you know you'd feel it and you just wonder then you know having to walk away and leave people uh, it's it it isn't right in the first instance it's not right at all and something must be done to help Help these people to take them, in. there has to be a building, even if it's just used in emergencies, in times of you know very wet weather or in times of very cold weather. But something, an emergency plan has to be put in place for the people that stayed on the street last night. The how how do they survive? Well. How, how do you stay warm? I don't know. No, how no
2: matter how mean, many layers of clothing I or sleeping bags way. you have, in minus five yeah. degrees,
5: no, you, you can feel it. Like we're all wearing thermals, and that's indoors. You know, so like kind of, you're talking about people outdoors then, and they may not even have them. And when they come to us, like you can see that they're just worn out, they're literally drained, and it's awfully sad to look at, in, into the face of somebody that has, has been through the, the brutality of the cold weather, of the wet weather in Ireland. But it's it's there, it's visible, and it hurts us to look at it. So I suppose that's the only thing that spurs us on, you know, if, if we can keep going for people and and you know, just keep them, keep them alive. help them to stay alive. How they survive, I can never, ever get to the bottom of that. Is it by keeping moving
2: or staying stationary? Do you wander, would you wander around the
5: city? Yeah. If you drive around at night, like you'll see a lot of people maybe with a backpack up in their back and they're walking and walking and walking and they're up the lane, down the lane, down the main streets, you know, and walking you know, all around and they're either waiting for the nightlight and and Simon or else they're just keeping themselves mobile until they can't keep themselves mobile anymore and, and they know they'll fall down someplace Yep. All these things are wicked to watch, like, and they're horrible to see. And we've been seeing them for a great, like, this is not new. We've been seeing them for many, many years. And we've been saying it, like, when everything, you know, the beasts from the east and all those other storms and things came, you know, the the, the cruelty of leaving the most people have been asked to bring their animals in. What about our, our rough sleepers? What about the people that are in squats with no heating and bitter cold? You know, and and they're glad just to have a roof over their head or to 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 be in some place. And you know, we hear uh, there, there's no sad story that probably we haven't heard. But they're not. You know, when you say sad, that doesn't do it justice. They're they're tragically awful to hear these stories like the of conditions that people are living in, whether it's indoors or whether it's outdoors.
2: Of course, to the emergency activity. services last night were, were busy. Was it around half past ten? The guards and emergency services were getting geared up to go into the river by the passport office on the South Mall.
5: Yeah, yeah, down there last night, and we weren't sure what was happening. You know, but um, there was a lot of activity going on there, and it looked like they were gearing up to go in. And um, but like, look how many how many suicides have we? How many people are crying out with mental health? Our city is destroyed with people with mental health issues. And mental health issues are from the cost of living, from being homeless, from everything. You know, look, look at the, the the increase in, you know, like, our addiction services are strapped, our mental health services are strapped. Can you imagine other people working in these places when they, they have to turn people away as well?
2: Yeah, the, so, these these are yeah. sad and difficult subjects to be broadcasting, Katrina um, but, yeah. you know, if if you're listening and you're feeling sad or depressed just from listening, uh, just imagine what it's like for those uh, at the wrong end yeah. of this cost of living crisis uh, shortage of tents shortage of places to pitch them uh, saints like yourself when is the last time you had a day off?
5: Um, actually do you know what? The the fish basket down uh, in Kilty, Ross Carberry have invited us down tomorrow for a meal, you know, so um, we're going down in the, the Garda bus, like, you know, just the volunteers. And then next um, next Wednesday, the 24th, um, payment over in El Padrino, he brings all the volunteers in for a meal at night and he gives them kind of, you know, like a slap-up meal, really, to be honest, is incredible, but at no charge, at nothing, like, and they just you know look after everybody for the night so like I'll go with the volunteers and it, it's just lovely to be for all the volunteers to be sitting around talking to each other and to see us in a bit of our finery as well like you know what I mean you wouldn't know half <laughs> of us a bit, uh,
2: it's a small token of appreciation for- I imagine for everything you're doing. Uh, <laughs> yes, one, one, once, once again to try and turn a positive out of this um, very difficult topic how can people support penny dinners even more how uh, what more help do you need
5: look if they have some tents now at the minute that's one of our big things because no matter how many tents we get they're gone in no time and you can't keep up to the to the demand for them and we can understand why it's because like the, the, somebody should invent a pop-up tent like with two skins on it or three skins or whatever I'm not too sure of the terminology but just for to, to keep people you know warm and they can just fold them up in the morning and carry them on their back their light and um but uh, at, at at the minute, and, you know, like, if anybody wants to give anybody something, give them a hot drink, they can even put their hands around the cup and keep them, their hands warm, you know, and get a bit of heat into them, even if they don't drink it Like, But there's nothing wrong with giving somebody a hot drink, you know. We give oval and hot chocolate to a lot of them because it's more of a sustenance often than the cup of coffee or the cup of tea. And they feel they've had, you know, something inside them. So, um, what what about bedding installation, Katrina? You
2: know, the yoga mat
5: style thermal bedding, they're great. Yeah, Yeah, all of those. Yeah, yeah, all of those. You know, like, you know, whatever people can, but like sleeping bags, obviously, you can get into them and you're kind of covered back in front if that makes sense. And um, you, you can, uh, but like, on a sleeping bag, it's not going to do anybody knowing this. Terminals, tunnel terminal vests, you know, so we've, we're we we're blue in the face from giving out hats and gloves now and, and stuff. And, you know, like a lot of people come to us, like especially when they're rough sleepers and they need baby wipes to wash themselves with. There's no other way of doing yep. it. And uh, just, just basic, simple things like that for to, to keep people going. And then, you know, the lads just Go, you know, go around the houses as well, like to, to visit people like with hampers and, you know, sometimes like there's always mm-hmm. other things that may be needed as well. Fin- finally, Katrina, do
2: do, do do you guys in Cork-Penadiernes have any drop-off centre? Because you're not the most accessible building. Uh, traffic wise if people are dropping stuff off
5: do you know, do you know what like we've I say if the horn, horns have blown once or twice on Little Hanover Street no matter who stops nobody behind them there could be a long queue of cars and they won't blow the horn they're all very very aware of what we do and people are very contacted like you know and you often see people jumping out their cars to help to bring in stuff especially at Christmas when there was um, a lot of stuff coming in and then um, you know, the lads will be certain of them and what goes to hampers and what we can use and what we have for to give, you know, away to people. So, um, you know, it we might be accessible but like nobody ever complains. I'd have to say that they're mm-hmm. absolutely tremendous. Like in you know, I think people the the kindness of the people uh, you couldn't you, you, there are no words. I can never find words to thank the people of Cotlake for what they do for us. They're just absolutely... And that's all the businesses and especially a lot of the businesses that have closed. We're heartbroken for them because they've been very good to us. And um, It's always
2: a pleasure you know, to talk to you, go. Katrina, on a very difficult subject. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it really is. is, but it has to be highlighted. The reality has to be highlighted.
5: Yeah, and look, we have to try and save people's lives and we have to impress on the government that emergency plans have to be put in place. We... Don't want anyone to die. We don't want anyone to suffer anymore. You know, we just want homes for all. You know, everyone deserves a home, a, a roof over their head, a place where they can stay warm, and a place where they can stay safe. So that's what our message is out there today. Please, 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 do something and take the misery away from our fellow human beings. I suppose humanity is the word. Let's all have it, including the government.
2: Okay, people have been sainted for less than uh, you do, Katrina, and I hope someday uh, you may have that no. accolade as well. Katrina, to me...
5: It's the volunteers, it's the volunteers here in Penny Dinners. I, I, they're the most incredible people in the whole world. They're just amazing. And, and for me, it's just a, a treat to even know them and to work alongside them. They're absolutely outstanding. They go above and beyond no matter what
2: age, they're they're brilliant Alright, Katrina Toomey, Cork Penny Dinners keep doing what you're doing, you're a beacon of hope for so many uh, in the city and keep in touch with whatever you need always the doors open here, whatever we can do
5: Ok, thank you Thanks so much thanks. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks.
3: Text or WhatsApp Neil now 0868
0: The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM 6 minutes
2: to 10, good morning and thanks for holding Paul is online too, hiya Paul Hi, how are things? Not too bad. You, you Compared to some people on the streets, very good. You've seen a lot on the streets.
6: Um, Yeah, so look, I kind of, I don't know, I wake early in the mornings, so the last couple of mornings, um, I just went in and just paid for breakfast for a few people. Fair play to you. But there, like, there's one, there's one gentleman. He was telling me this morning, he's on Patrick Street, but he has to sleep in an upright position. He was discharged with cuts in his leg from the hospital.
2: Discharged from hospital with nowhere to go.
6: With nowhere to go. So um, I went. So yes, like I'm no Robin Hood, like the likes of Katrina and stuff. They're the heroes. yesterday I just paid for breakfast for a few people but this morning I was a bit early so there was one gentleman then he was where the taxi rank was and he was actually shivering with the cold so I went down to Hurley's and I was able to get some sausage rolls even before they were open I just told him what I wanted them for came back, gave them to the lads and stuff but the conditions—it's—it's it's appalling.
2: And did that guy sleep where you found him, or was he after getting up and walking around to stay warm, or what?
6: No, no, no. If you actually—if you actually kind of look, now, the kind of duvet that he has—it's worn, it's dirty, but it looks like he's in—he's in an upright position. But you wouldn't even know he's under it. Okay. You wouldn't even know he's under it. So then I spoke to him. Then he asked me about cigarettes and stuff, so look, I went the way I got him this, he's not allowed into the shop for some reason. But you could you could see the pain that he's in. And then over the what would you say, the other side then, there was a chap lying down and he was no, he was under sleeping bags but he was shivering. And I tried to put the the sleeping bags, wrap them around him. And there was actually the taxi ranks. They were looking at what I was doing. But no one's getting out to help these people.
2: And how spread out are they? Are, are they in various areas? Are you concentrating on one area where you actually get to know people, as so, it were?
6: Well, it's not that I get to know them, but like the other day, there are in a video and just two fellas, one putting on a sock. And this is at quarter past five in the morning and I just gave him the money, and I told him, I said, look, Macdonald is going to be open. Please go and get something hot to And it's kind of... I kind of let him Patrick Street, we'd say. Yeah. Guess, uh, believe it or not, there's one chap there. He'd be done by pennies, I'd have to go on to him once or twice. And it's a case of, what time is it? i say quarter past five. He says, don't be waking me. Just leave the money there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, there's...
2: You know? some other stark figures were released yesterday and I don't know why they're so far yeah. behind These are, they're, they're going to be worse I'd say but these are the figures for 2020 do you know how many homeless people died every month 10 121 homeless people passed away uh, on the streets in 2020 and that's nationwide you know
6: I'd, I'd actually believe it because like, I got out of a hot car this morning and when you see someone who obviously needs to be in a hospital and then someone else that is actually just shivering with the cold. And, like, I'm no Robin Hood, but I was lucky in life, we'd say. So it's kind of just trying to give a bit back.
2: Yeah, and I, I don't want to give the wrong impression that people are dying as they sleep. Uh, the vast majority of those, 91%, of those had a history of substance abuse. So there was you know, there are other extenuating circumstances. But what you can say is that hundred and twenty one people without a roof over their heads, uh to any extent died yeah. in twenty twenty. Yeah.
6: And I kinda stay I kinda stay away from because as I say, you know I was out to Lee Fields walking all right this morning so I said I'd take a drive downtown. But I don't go near kind of People with substance, I go near the, uh, I don't know, what. Well, everyone has a problem, but the kind of real, genuine, they're just shivering, they're hungry, they're cold, and when you see the likes, uh, I don't know, I don't know, to be honest, I don't know how they can actually sleep there.
2: Yeah, what, what would you advocate people would do, people who are listening now, go out and do a little, uh, buy a little bit of breakfast, or as you said, a sausage roll or a breakfast roll, and even if you bought exactly. one, it would help.
6: Exactly, million percent, million percent. Because the two lads know that I was that I concentrated with this morning. I mean, the first fillet that I gave the saucer rolls they were gone within two minutes. You know, that's what it kind of means to them. Whereas most people we've the luxury of getting a takeaway when we want. Yeah, but these people they don't have that luxury. So I mean. Just to pull up your car and, I don't know, to go down Patrick Street, just pull up your car, walk along. You will see the genuine people and just make sure they're warm. Get them a cup of tea, get them whatever.
2: Paul, can I just say I mean, thanks, thanks for the little you do. It, 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 it translates into a lot for those who are on the receiving end. You've got a big heart and thank you very much for coming on the air. Must go for news at 10 o'clock. Thanks, Paul. Yeah, no problem. Cheers. Um, thanks for having me. Cheers. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right. Bye. Thanks, bye-bye. Ten o'clock on the button on The Neil Prenderville Show.
0: The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters.
2: Eight minutes past ten on this uh, Tuesday morning. And Adrian Cummins, thanks for holding, Adrian. I know we tried to get you in on the last hour. It was very, very busy. Uh, you are the CEO of the Restaurant Association of Ireland. Difficult times you're facing? Yeah, absolutely.
7: It's a difficult uh, and challenging time for food-led businesses across the country, be it coffee shops, be it restaurants, be it pubs serving food in terms of trying to make their margin, trying to stay afloat, uh, keep the doors open. Um, And this is compounded by a number of government policy uh, issues that have come down the track status over the last number of months. And on top of that, then supplier costs increasing as well for our industry. So we've seen a huge amount of casualties in the last six months. We've had 282 restaurants or food-led businesses to last Thursday. You can add another five more onto that to this morning. And I'm sure when I get into the office later on, um, I'll have a number number of more closures uh, by the close of of, of the day. And um, we're saying to the government very clearly they need to Need to support us and help us. Uh, so I would. I welcome the announcement yesterday by <clears throat> the Taoiseach that, that they're going to look at an extension of the warehouse tax repayment period, which is something that we asked for. We're looking. We're looking for a ten-year ten-year repayment period for the warehouse tax. But we also need to address the, the VAT rate. I think to go back to nine percent. Uh, that has blocked our industry to the core. In terms of the viability of, of businesses out there at the moment, okay, uh, they're, two our, they're two of our big asks at the moment. Uh,
2: the, the sentiment, of course, maybe may from most people who are listening, is that uh, you're perceived to be a, a high-profit enterprise. But when, in, in reality, and these are the stark figures, uh, if a restaurant has an annual turnover of one million euros, 20, say twenty grand a week, just over one million euros, what's going to hit you in the ne- in the next twelve months? that could force closure?
7: So they're going to be hit with about another two grand a week increase in costs. Uh, that's a nearly hundred. That's 100,000 euros and a million euro turnover. And how do we know that? Because we have, we've looked at the, the books of, of solid companies, solid businesses, and this is what they're telling us in terms of 100,000 broken down into the vast increase of about 37,000-38,000. Um, your wage, wage inflation that 12.4% increase in the minimum wage. It's not the, the minimum wage level. It's that inflationary level that everybody's looking for across our industry. That's about another 39,000. and So now you're up near 75,000 already. And then add in your bank interest rates, your supplier costs, your pension auto enrollment coming down the tracks. Your sick days as well. The government going from three to five days. So the, all of these things add up, and when you add them all up, you're about hundred thousand extra in cost on a million euro turnover as two grand a week.
2: And there's not uh, many restaurants doing a million in turnover in the first place. No, no, they're not. So, uh, you know,
7: we, we this is the figures that we have. They're very solid. We can stand over them. They're audited. So, you know, we know exactly what we're talking about here. And we're, we're saying very clearly to the government that if you don't do something fast in terms of not just the warehouse tax, but get that VAT rate back to 9%, you're going to see nearly 500 businesses close by the end of February. Because that's the level of closure that we're seeing at the moment in terms of coffee shops. Um, casual restaurants you know people well, your listeners will say oh, sure, I was in a restaurant that was nice and the place was full it might be full but i losing money and that's what's happening with these businesses their auditors or their accountants are telling them close the doors because you're digging a bigger hole for yourself because you're losing you're losing money left right and centre at the moment
2: yeah, If there's one thing in your favour I suppose Adrian it's that you're probably in the last 12 months uh, not just to some of the businesses but more positively in the last 12 months of this government where proactivity is going to be needed to engage the electorate Can I ask do you guys feel a little bit aggrieved that it would seem that the uh, hotels and some price gouging in some areas got the back up of uh, Pascal Dutta who at the time minister for finance and and caused that 9% to go back up to 135 across the board.
7: Yes, I'll agree with you there in that statement. That it was, but my, those minority that was, um, as has the, as the, as been spun or been stated, um, it's price gouging. That didn't help our cause. But we are, we are where we are now. We're looking for a for food-led business to be restored at 9%. I think anybody in accommodation will say that they have their food also. There's a win for everybody in this. So I think it's important that we need a meeting with the government fast. We need to sit down and hammer out what is the recovery plan for our industry so that everybody knows and can plan for the future. And the government is due two hundred eighty eighty million euros worth of warehouse tax back to the state. And we know already that 80 million of that is going to come back because they've, they've closed down. So the sooner they can get a recovery plan in place, the sooner we can get paying our fair due back, over over a ten, ten year period, because the government is making a three percent interest on it anyway, so there's a win win here all the time for the government. So we are we're campaigning at the moment. I'm here uh, going into the dial uh, to campaign again on this. And uh, I think you know the the the, the government are listening to it. They are acknowledging there is an issue now, and uh, they've seen the high profile closures in the last uh, seven days. And I know for a fact there's more coming down the tracks in the next seven days. So, you know, those businesses I'm re I'm saddened. I'm sorry for those businesses um, because they put their life's life's w- work walk into that. You know, some businesses are there thirty years. Um, you know, and it's not nice to lose your business. Um, because that's all that they have. And I think you know, we have a we have a lot going for us in terms of our, 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 our hospitality industry. You know, there will be parts of this country, if we don't act fast, you won't be the, the tourists won't be able to get a bite to eat in certain parts of this country because it won't be viable for them to open their business in the
2: summertime Okay, one listener got in touch wanting to know, what happened to all the money that the restaurants and cafes received while closed during COVID was that for just living subvention or whatever?
7: Well, that was the wage supplements scheme to keep our staff in place and I went to our staff you know, that was to help our staff live and to keep the businesses open. So there was a business when the pandemic um, finished. And it wasn't just our industry, every sector got the EWS scheme. Um, and any business, you know, it doesn't matter, it wasn't just hospitality, it was every sector across the board. So, you know, we got our fair share and every other sector got their fair share as well. Uh, but we were closed for nearly two years while other sectors weren't closed for as long as that.
2: Okay, it, it would seem to me though that your downward spiral of viability uh, is not going to be saved by uh, just a simple VAT correction. Well, it's a VAT
7: correction plus the warehouse tanks.
2: You know, we're not, you know, this
7: if we, if we if we got a VAT correction, that would help us hugely in terms of the VAT repayment on a monthly basis. It would help on cash flow. It would help these businesses stay afloat. We know that. This is what the businesses are saying to us, uh, and you know what can we do in terms of of, of our suppliers? You can't do the only area that could really government could help us in a meaningful way. And let me just elaborate on this: is on the energy side. They had a 1.2 billion euro grant aid scheme, only 200 million was drawn down. We know for a fact that this that scheme was 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 devised not to work it didn't work only 200 million was drawn down So they, had, they made a that a, a, a billion in the in in the surplus out of that scheme that wasn't drawn down so you know we're looking for some sort of a support around energy energy costs um and that would that would help help our sector also
2: Okay it's a it's a stark situation I'm I'm sure you are you're already aware of some high profile closures that are coming down the track and confidentiality of course uh, is needed just in case that doesn't happen uh, finally do, do you think this uh, this level this raft of closures is going to happen on on a level basis across the country or are we looking at more urban and less rural or the other way around
7: It's going to happen in every town, village and city in this country on on an even level. When you look at the level of closures, that's what's going to happen. It's not... It's not special to one area. It is right across the country. It's every county is being hit. And um, if there's a higher proportion of eateries in one county, well, then you'll see a higher level of closures in that county. So, you know, it's not, it's not special to any, any area. And um, from our statistics at the moment, and we're monitoring this on a daily basis okay. um, from the feed- feedback that we're getting.
2: All right. Best of luck in your endeavours to, you. uh, to keep as many restaurants and hospitality areas viable as possible. Adrian Cummins, CEO, Restaurant Association of Ireland. Thank you and good morning. Want to get to uh, an email that came into us on business closures. I'm an ex-resident of uh, Dillon's Cross area of the city. Roughly 15 to 20 years ago, the area had two local shops, four pubs, a butcher's, a veg shop, three hairdressers, a barber shop, a chemist, and was a very busy and vibrant area. This was until a certain parking warden targeted the area and made it his life's ambition to decimate Dylan's Cross. He would arrive every morning at the same time and spend the rest of the day ticketing anything that didn't move or anything stopped for more than a minute or two. People calling on elderly family and people running into the shop, butchers, veg shop bookies, chemists were all targets. No allowances were made for anyone. Today, there's one pub... The chemist and the barber shop left. Dillon's Cross is now like a ghost town. Well, you can't blame all that on one parking warden. But anyway, I'll continue with the email. Neighbours don't meet on the street anymore. Everyone has to drive to the nearest facility. The last pub left in the area used to have a thriving lunch straight with teachers and businesses from Mayfield and Blackpool. Dublin Hill and prison wardens from Cork Prison. They all stopped coming to Dillon's Cross because of the amount of tickets they would get just for having a quick bite to eat. Uh, the traffic warden uh, still arrives to this now deserted area of our city, but I don't think he gets as much commission these days. Uh, I'm not even sure they're on commission. Thanking you, I wish to remain anonymous. P.S. I was never in business myself, but I was reared in the area and I hate the way things have changed for the worst. I'm sure any of the businesses I have mentioned would agree with the above, and we'll keep that emailer anonymous. Lord Mayor Cork, Council Kieran McCarthy, next.
3: Call Neil now. 106
0: The Neil Prendiville Show on Red FM.
2: Good morning from Mick Mulcahy during the Neil Prendiville Show uh, this week and next, as Neil is on holidays. Now we don't get many rafts dozens or hundreds of texts to this program unless it's on a topic that we're covering uh, and while we always meant to get to this to- uh, topic and we're doing so now uh, it was completely uh, we were completely taken by surprise by the number of emotive texts coming in on the uh, proposed renaming of a Parky Kiev and to discuss that on line 2 we have our first citizen, Lord Mayor Councillor Kieran McCarthy Good morning Lord Mayor Hi Mick, how are you doing? Very good. Now, before we get to the uh, proposed renaming of Park Kiva Super Value Park, uh, and just by means of a segue, you were probably listening to the, the uh, last interview yep. as you were holding there. You are you are the first citizen of uh, a city that's seeing uh, an unrivalled level of business closures, particularly in the hospitality sector. Uh, what's your thinking on all of this? Uh,
8: my thing is, that I, suppose that, I suppose as chair of the council, the city council does acknowledge that there are. There are challenges Um, and certainly uh, listening to Adrian just before you there, I mean, the council has supported the Restaurants Association on the call for the drop in VAT from 14% to 9%. I think that's a regular call by the council. I think there are some levers that local level have, Nick, and there are some levers that national level have to to try to to lessen costs. Um, I mean, I suppose our council is in charge of the rates. Um, so the rates are connected to the provision of public services in the city. If we lower the rates, there's a knock-on effect on services. But we do have a, a rates incentive kind of discount scheme that um, many peop- many ratepayers in the in the city have signed up to. Uh, and then we've other we have other programs like the local enterprise officer are very very active with with uh, with businesses in the city uh, and in the wider region um and we've also get, we've got a city center coordinator there's a nighttime advisor like we 're working closely with businesses on the ground like there's all this close connection to the Cork Business association the Cork Chamber of commerce um yeah, and as well as that i mean i mean yes, there has been closures, but there's also been investment i mean one of the things I was at like, just before Christmas was the reopening of um the Gate Cinema, or the, the, the Act Cinema at the Gate on North Main Street. So, I mean, we've also seen three to four new businesses opening on St. Patrick Street, so it actually has been good. So it's not all doom and gloom. Like, the city is
2: open for business, and um,
8: like you couldn't actually walk through the main streets of Cork, it's a, before Christmas. It was so, it was really, really busy with people. Um, all right. Uh, so it's,
2: it's, essentially, the powers that be, and I suppose that's mainly Cork City Council, were called yesterday on, uh, called, uh, and I'm pricing this, but essentially, they were called a bureau- bureaucratic, non responsive, disaster, that businesses are failing when, when, when you feel the pressure in the voice of uh, a stalwart of the city and of the market Pat O'Connell of Kay O'Connell's Fish you could tell how tired and worn down he was uh, and when you see his own delivery van a refrigerated high, high roof vehicle uh, that can't access a car park because of its height being ticketed in a loading bay outside his own premises something has to change
8: I don't have the full context of that, Mick. Like, you're putting me on the spot there. I mean, I just don't know the context. I mean, I know that there be, we have regular debates and there's regular movement on these debates as well. in Cork City Council calling for different aspects. And as I say, we have seven or eight programmes that are working closely with businesses. And not just we're saying these, these are programmes. Like, the businesses have also helped us develop it. So, for example, the public realm projects on the Curtin Street. I mean, that's, that's been a project with traders for the past 10 years. No, I acknowledge the fact that one of the businesses that have closed in the last week is the white rabbit but that are based mm-hmm. on the street, but there are other businesses that are thriving on this street. I think for all of us, we just need to keep working closely together, and I think that has that, that has worked, but there are levers that are not in the control. Um, of council, and I, I know, I, I feel the frustration. I mean, look, I, I walk to town, town, t- town regularly. As as Lord Mayor, I talk to different people as well. I talk to everybody, and anyone who wants to come into me, they can come into me and have a chat. Mm-hmm. I've, got, I've got an open door, and so do the rest of my colleagues in the council. Um, a,
2: a suggestion yesterday, Lord, Lord, Lord Mayor. A, a suggestion yesterday uh, was that a forum be held, perhaps in the main hall in City Hall. Now, I would imagine you'd have to have a moderator and speak through the chair because you know feelings yeah. are running high here. But if a Level-headed, sober interview uh, of each of the business leaders, or you know, they can they can put their input in, or they can listen, uh, and, yeah. and an equal in, um, amount of the acting officers in the in the in the specific areas of, of of the council. A level-headed, open forum discussion to say, look, why don't we work together and improve things rather than people individually trying to make contact with with the various organisations? Would that be something you'd be in favour of? Yeah, yeah. I'd be in favor of that of an
8: open mind with I Look I can chat to Anne Daugherty, the chief executive, on that. But keep in mind like there are, there is a Cork Business Association, there is a Cork Chamber of Commerce and they're very, very active in their own way as well, representing different businesses. Um so there, there are mechanisms in place where, where businesses can actually feed their queries as well. I mean, there are. We have a committee called the the, the core committee, which is very much about the core city centre, uh, and that there are regular presentations to that. And there there, there there are regular traders groups as well, kind of presenting to that. And re- regular trader groups, we say that represent streets presenting to the council as well. We have a we have a, a planning strategic policy committee slash city centre coordination committee, and people can come in if, they, if there's a group of people or a group of traders on one street, so there's an open door to come in. Um, no, there, there probably isn't an open door for one trader to come in, um, but, I, but, I, but I do know in terms of rates, if people are in trouble with their rates, that I, that I know that the finance office has. Okay, like they, they, they do sit down with people and have a chat with people.
2: Yeah, oh, all, all of that is fair enough. You, you know, you, you have to represent yeah. not just the, the traders, but essentially you've got to rep- represent the authorities as well, and that's, that, that's okay. Yeah, now, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, let's let's move on to the main topic, which is the hot potato that is the renaming uh, of Parky yeah. Kiev to Super Value Park. Now, Parky Kiev is named after a common man, Paul Dr. O'Keefe. He was living in Cork, was involved in the War of Independence, so he would have known Terence McSweeney and the like. He was involved yep. in the GAA heavily, responsible for setting up hundreds of clubs around the country. Yep. National Secretary for 35 years and died uh, not too long ago, maybe 60 years ago, 1964. He left a great legacy behind him and in 1974, 50 years ago, Parky Cove was built and they named it after him. Now the proposal this evening is that it be renamed Super Value Park. Now before we start, Super Value is a thriving, employment-giving cork company. Um, So maybe there is some merit here. Where, Where do you stand?
8: Well, thanks for reading out everything that I gave your researchers this morning. In oh, was that, of was, was that? Did that come from you? <laughs> that came oh. from me this morning. My, but my apologies. Well, I... <laughs> um, no, look, look, here's my here's my stance on this. I mean, the thing about uh, Supervalu is that they're absolutely fantastic. Cork-based company, they're, they heavily sponsor um, national n- initiatives such as Tidy Tones and other community initiatives. They're really, really great for touching base with community well, Parky Queeve, just the name is just synonymous with Cork. Mick. it really is. I mean, if if someone said we're changing the name, Shandon, I mean, there are certain names in Cork that nationally people go, yeah, that's Cork. Like so. There's. I think. I suppose today, yes, the the, the sponsorship is welcome, but I think today today is also a debate on, on the civic history of Cork, its civic heritage, its, its civic memory. What we are as Cork, what makes Cork tick, its DNA. So I think we just need to be really, really careful in changing the name, and I say that with my historian and Lord Mayor's hat on at the same time um, it's just it was just niggling at me last night uh, and I, I and I did send a yeah send a message into the press. that, look a wider debate needs, needs to be have on on this um and, I, and I, I, I know that, there's I thirty million in outst-
2: outstanding debt. I know there's a long term oh, yeah, plan yeah. between yeah. Croke Park and about about twenty million out to, to Croke Park. Uh, and, and and ten million in other loans, uh, which needs to be serviced. And oh yeah, definitely, no, oh, definitely,
8: and 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 that's that's a given that 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 needs to between the debt and the sponsorship that needs to happen. Like, there's no one coming forward with a with a silver bullet, kind of going, yeah, here's money to clear your debt. But it's but like the thing about Parque Quee is that it has a history, it has a memory. Like, and, and you 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 read out the comments on who Padre O'Keeve actually was. I mean that this was a gentleman who did so much for not just Cork but for Ireland I mean I think he set up the bones of 3,000 clubs um, so I think the, when he when he started in the late 1920s there was like 1,500 clubs and like by the time he was finished there was 3,000 clubs and when he started maybe there was only one club that owned uh, a club grown somewhere in the country or a handful of them and then by the time he was finished there was 400 clubs that had their own grown so this is a very significant figure in Irish History and an Irish Ga history as well, um, and yes, he like he wasn't he wasn't born in Cork, but we kind of uh, we adopted him uh, in, in a sense. Um, and I think, I mean, sometimes in Cork we, we find it very hard to name things after after people. I mean, um, and every now and again someone comes forward like like Padraig O'Keefe or his English name is Paddy O'Keefe I mean, he's inter- interesting. Like you mentioned the connection with Tomas McCurtain and Terence McSweeney. I mean, they're, they're, we've got. We've got witness statements that kind of uh, that tell the story of what Paddy did, like in, 19, in, the, in the late 1910s, early 1920s, when he was a, a young fellow. So we're very, very lucky to have all that all that research done. So I think my call is that we just need to be really, really careful what sort of civic memory here or civic history that we eliminate. So I think for me, something like Super Value Parky Grieve, or Parky Grieve with Super Value,
2: something uh, like that right, that's what i was about to suggest because if it's going to be called super value park that's one uh if if it if it doesn't change don't know where that's coming from <laughs> yeah, that's Are you still, still there. there i'm still here can you hear me oh somebody left a phone in the studio thank you Seamus, well, hey. for removing <laughs> it the <laughs> plant i can tell you that as the best laxative known to man, what the hell is going on? <laughs> uh, if, if it's going to be called Super Value Park, that's that's one suggestion. But why not Super Value Parky Grieve?
8: Yeah, no, I agree with that, and I, I hope that's the call made at the meeting this evening. Uh, I like, like, bring on the sponsorship of Super Value. They're they're brilliant for supporting local communities, as I said. Um, but let's not just throw away the history of Parky Grieve as well and why it's name, Parky Grieve. I think that's it's. Like we're 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 blessed with a very strong civic history in Cork. We just need to to mind it. Uh, we can't keep everything, but I, I think this one is is worthwhile fighting for. What about Croke Park? Would that be up for grabs? I don't represent Croke Park. I know, it? but uh, but I mean it's named after Bishop Bishop Krog, who was also heavily involved in the, in the in the gas. So I mean, I think there's like there's a Cork connection there, and I think it's charitable as well, an art Cork connection. So, um, but I mean, like they're not. I don't think I haven't seen any proposal to rename Croke Park. No, no, but um, I'm just but wondering
2: if, if this if this happens, w- is, is there a place called Stop or is everything up for grabs?
8: Well, that's why I'm kind of saying let's have the debate on it and, and, and certainly calling on the members who are there present this evening. And, I, and look, I need to be clear, I'm not, I'm not a member of um, the GEA, I support the GEA, I go to Parky Creek for matches it. It's a brilliant organisation uh, that we're very, very blessed right across the country in different neighbourhoods in different different street corners, rural corners and so on. But we just have this... Park Equiv is just synonymous with Cork as a name. We just need to be really, really careful how we eliminate... If we could, my, my call is not to eliminate that name. Um... Yeah, that's, that's that's my call. Then.
2: Okay, I, I'll get to all of the texts and uh, and and the feeling, which is running high, actually, very polarized. So a lot of uh, people in favour, yeah. and a, a lot I mean, of people Nick, not.
8: I mean, Nick, have a poll. I mean, have a poll and, and and see. I'd be very, very intrigued. I mean, like it's it's interesting. That the debate seems to be breaking all over media this morning, and yeah. I'm getting uh, getting a slow kind of feed of messages in for people as well. And uh, yeah, there's there's uh people are getting their head around us and people are kind of going yeah they're going yes and no but I mean yes for the sponsorship but but for me like let's have a rethink on the name part yeah okay
2: how is the tenure as uh, First Citizen going for you? Yeah, good. Like six six
8: months done uh, into the final kind of six months, um, and every you know, make every day brings something different. Like you, you meet different people. Um, I mean, yesterday, for example, my my role was to go to Manchester for the day to actually to collect the piece of memorabilia from a Clarks of Independence past. Um, and we brought that back for the first time. This this, this object was actually brought home. I'd say in a hundred years, it was taken away by British police force. So it was actually quite sobering to see this object. And um, yeah, today we're we're meeting some um, intercultural groups, and then tomorrow, yeah, the, the, every day is just it, it's it's really really interesting. Um, and as someone for me, like there's a passion for Cork and a passion for its stories and so and all things historical. It's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean the. The chain itself is is two hundred and thirty seven years old this year, and even like I meant I was been mentioning civic symbols and civic history, like our coat of arms that we have actually was formally registered seventy five years ago this year. Um, like we know it was on maps four hundred years ago. So no, that 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 history and that heritage and that memory is very very uh, important. No, but if it's going well, it's, it's always you can go between business, culture, community. But I think the common line, common denominator, Mick is just. Everyone in meeting is, has a, a passion for the city and the region, and wanting to make sure the city and region has is, is future proofed, and we all can of move forward together. There's actually nothing kind of alien that I've met so far. Just meet, met meet loads of exciting people doing really interesting and important things uh, for the city and for the region. Yeah.
2: Okay. Well, let, let's hope the meeting uh, at the GA um, venue this evening will bring a lot of positivity, and let's hope that the businesses will survive, and, and that yeah. everyone will work together. Um, no matter what measures need to be put in place a- action has to be taken or it'll be too little too late yeah and, I mean, look, I'm, and I'm really glad that,
8: that the call to the Minister for Finance Michael McGrath has been met by Michael himself that, he, that he's going to come he's going to sit down with businesses in Cork as I say there are there are certain levers that we don't have in Cork that they're at, at national level um, but as I say look if there are groups of people out there if there's groups of cl- uh, uh, clusters of people on the streets in, in the city centre that want to come in and have a chat the door is open to, to come in and let's Let's have a debate on what's, 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 what's happening and what incentives are in place as well by, by the Council and what programmes are in place.
2: All right. Lord Mayor, Councillor Kieran McCarthy, thank you so much for coming on yep. the Neil thank Prenderville you. Show this morning.
3: Call Neil now. 0818
0: The Neil Prendiville Show on Red FM.
2: It's 18 minutes to 11. Mike Crowley's on line three. Thanks for holding, Mike.
0: Uh, good morning, Mike.
2: Not the first person to text us in. I thought it was April 1st.
9: I did too last night when I saw it last night coming on. I said I did check the date myself, actually. I found it very strange. My perception, my preference would be that Parky Keeve be retained. But if we have a situation where the sponsor has to be included, why not go with Super Value Stroke Parky Keeve? Yeah, Super Value Parky Keeve
2: is what... what? I was about to suggest, and the yeah. Lord Mayor came up with it as well, it's, yeah. it's, it seems yeah, to right. have well, the, the,
9: Spanish, yeah. Yeah, the necessary balance
2: between forming. commercial yeah. reality, the, ne- the necessary balance between the commercial reality and our observance of history.
9: Uh, well, uh, it's very important that we retain Pocky Keeve, that label is retained for history, culture, tradition, I think it's very important, to our identity as well. Now, if you take Cavan, they are sponsored by uh, Kingspan. Now, their Stadium in Cabin is called uh, Kingspan Breffney Park. It's been that way for years. There's never been a problem that I know of. Yeah. So yeah, I would prefer to see Parky Key retained solely as the label. But if we have to go a uh, super value, well, I stroke Parky Key's Perfect. I think it's a good compromise. I think everybody will be happy at the end of the day if this is the way to go with it tonight.
2: Okay. With, with the renewed sponsorship that this is going to bring, if it is renamed, um, would you imagine that more Cork games will be... Uh will be free to hear rather than, than on GAA Go.
9: Unfortunately, well, I'd love to believe it, Mick, but I can't see it happening, to be honest. Uh, I think they've got their clause in now and I don't think it's going to change the balance. You see, the whole problem comes back to the fixture list. The, the structures are wrong. There's too many games compacted into a number of weeks. You've got too many games on together. RT, the national broadcasters, even allowing for uh, TV, TG4 involved, there's just too many games now and they can't cover all the games that people want to see. So basically, what's happened here, the fixture list has created the problem for the coverage. It's a knock on effect. I don't see, no, we have another problem in Cork as well, which, you know, it's it's a hard one to be able to geographically where we're located, right down the south. We're always going to be competing with Tullis and Limerick for games, which Cork don't get enough games anyway. This is a problem as well in itself because it doesn't create the revenue. Uh but it's great to see I think the concerts and music venues the a brilliant concerts venue. I've been there a few times and it should be used as much as we possibly can on that front.
2: Okay and rugby as well as uh his proposed a con continuation of rugby at uh Parky Cube.
9: Uh I don't see the demand for that really because Munster have got Tom and Park and financially they have to use it for their own benefit. So there's gonna be very little uptake for rugby in in Parkie, I think to be honest.
2: Okay. So you'd be in favour of if necessary uh, take the sponsorship. Yeah. It's an upstanding yeah. um, car company um, supporting lots of sports, not just GA sports, uh, and offers huge employment here uh, in its uh, not just in its distribution facilities, uh, but in its supermarkets around the place. And uh, if it has to happen, make it Super Value Parky Cave would be your vote.
9: Yeah, absolutely. I think yeah, and I think most people will see that is probably the best option that comes to it tonight
2: after tonight. All right. Thanks, Mike. Okay, cheers. Thanks Giles. a million. Thank Giles. you. Let's uh, get to some of your texts on 0868104106. Uh, I'm absolutely disgusted to hear the renaming of Parky Kiev. The stadium is named after an Irish Gael, an Irish Republican. The GAA is standing on the shoulders of such giants, but it seems it's easily forgotten. They had a business plan, says another texture, to build the upgrades to the stadium, but renaming it is out of order. There are plenty ways to raise revenue. If they think outside the box, flat kill and a heron could be held there, etc. Parky Keeve is what I will always call it. I will, and this is in capital letter, never call it anything else. Anyone who starts calling it Super Valley Park is officially a cork sheep. Bah, bah. And there are dozens more. Disgraceful. The GEA has and always uh, always have plenty of money. Parky Keeve is known countrywide. It makes me so mad the GEA is giving away the iconic Irish name for a stupid five year deal and 1.5 million euro. Uh, it's a sellout. I thought Fool's Day was the first day of April. It seems uh, you're at it early this year, says Kathleen. Uh, sorry, says Paul. Um, I think Supervalue, we got the wrong kind of publicity from this. Bad idea, lads. Super bad. Uh, I thought we could jump to the first of April. Keeps coming in. Uh, They should have renamed it Conference Centre. This is a good one. At least then we would finally have our Conference Centre. It's all about the money and commercial gain. Nothing is safe, not even our local pride, uh, says Terry. Should be a taxpayer's stadium, says uh, Catherine. Uh, Not sure what that means. It should be the the taxpayer's stadium. Uh, Why change the name? Um, Make sure there's plenty of advertisement around the grounds. But don't change the name. Uh, that came in from Stephen. Sarah says, I think it's great. A company set up decades ago. We need to be proud of all things Cork. Musgrave Tea started before I was born. Uh, was Musgrave's Musgrave Tea? Or do you mean Barry's Tea, I wonder? Uh, and employs hundreds in Cork. Uh, Supervalue now supports thousands of jobs here at home and abroad. I'm delighted and proud to be a Cork man and to support everything Cork. Uh, Lansdowne Road, the Point, Tato Park, uh, the Boardgash Energy Theatre. Uh, I'm glad the deal was done, but it'll, it'll it'll always be the park, and I think that'll be probably considered. You know, at the meeting tonight, that people are going to continue to call it uh, the park, as in P A I or C. Uh, I'm surprised Aldi or Little haven't jumped on board. Says Gary. Um Wait till the next five years; it'll be Aldi Park. Coincidentally, said another texture, and there are dozens, if not hundreds of more coming into us on oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. 8104 uh, Right then, let's get back to the issues of uh, the city. And before we do, uh, I'm also very much aware that we have... Uh, a huge swathe of listeners uh, in the county who might feel a little aggrieved that we're concentrating on city closures only. So if you are in the county, you are experiencing or have had a business uh, that has closed. You're more than welcome to come on here as we try to be equal to everybody. It's just that the, uh, the raft of uh, closures that happened in the city at such a rapid rate... Have focused attention there. But by all means, if you want to represent the county and the area you live in uh, and you're seeing business closures or business struggling, we would love to hear from you as well. Edward, good morning.
10: Good morning, McCoy.
2: Good, you work for a cleaning company. We won't mention the name.
10: Yeah, I, well, I own it. Um, okay. I, I own the company. Um, I suppose, look, I, I had a few contracts in the city and it was just interesting there, hearing the Lord Mayor on the phone talking about the, the city. When it was the council, as far as I'm concerned, that has absolutely decimated the business in the city. Now it's all well and good giving back, um, you know, lower VAT rates and things like that. But I mean, it's pointless lowering VAT rates if nobody wants to go into the city. You know what I mean? Um, I had several contracts in the city, and I, I just got so fed up of of our vans getting fined. I actually just dropped all the city contracts. I just won't I won't go in there anymore. Like um, I was making X, and my fines were coming up as Y. You know what I mean? Um I, I had one like the final straw for me was I was on Patrick Street I was, parked, I, was I was actually pricing a job on the main street I won't in the business but I was pricing a job um there was also another security company and who had several vans there because there was some sort of electrical fault in a big brand new building uh, on Patrick Street um and there was alarms going off all over the place and obviously the security company that dealt with the alarm systems and all that were being brought in. And I was obviously pricing a job as well. Like we two vans in there. Um, and every single one of the, the security vans, that the guys know that were trying to start this uh, alarm issue, There was as I said, there was alarms going off in this entire building. It was a big complex in the city centre. Big new building, um, sports shop. And the, 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 there was four guys with tickets, just pumping out tickets to all the vans. I mean, what, what what are people supposed to do? Like, I mean, why why would a business risk coming in? Now, fair enough, like, it, it's within certain times, but I mean, I can't guarantee, especially with my business, that my team will get in there within those hours, and sometimes the only availability I have and where the, the, the client needs us to come in, the only availability I have is within those hours. Yeah. So, look, I think that at the very least, a commercial vehicle should be allowed park in the loading bays that were designed for people to park in. Especially businesses. So, I think if the, if the, the lads with the tickets are pumping out tickets, at, at least bypass the, the commercial vehicles. Because, I mean, if there's a commercial van in there, nobody's bringing in their business van uh, with all their name and advertising all over it when clearly they're doing uh, doing a job. Uh, they're not going in doing their day shopping parking up on, 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 a, on a Tuesday yeah. afternoon doing do, do you know what I mean just for clarity
2: oh, Edward maybe you can answer this because I don't know are, are they loading bays anymore or or, or and are commercial vehicles
10: they're, they're loading bays and every single time I've spoken to every ticket guy saying look like, like I, I've, I've walked right up to them with gear on me um, my staff has gone up to them with gear on them, um, you know, blatantly in work clothing, like, you know what I mean? It's, we're very obviously working, like high-visibility vests, all that, uh, the equipment that we need with us. And we've gone up to them, yeah, uh, look, we're, we're actually doing a job, and we point, like we said, directly to our right would be the building that we're working on. We're outside in the loading bay, and, and the response is, you're not supposed to be even on the street from, from the certain times. I mean, really, like, uh, you know, and I, 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 like since it, it all started with the driving ban on Pana, as, as far as I'm concerned, the complete downhill of the city. Well,
2: that, that, um, that like, created a lot of uncertainty, especially as, uh, I want, can I go in today or can I go down there today? Or what time is it? Uh,
10: totally. And I mean, like, what, 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 where's the benefit of this? Like, I mean, like it, 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 it's up to a council to, to run a city and make sure a city thrives. Well, I, I, I can't understand the benefits of, of closing the main street and the main business street of our whole entire county. I just can't get my head around it. What was the benefit to do this? Oh, fair enough, Eamon and all them with the, with, the, with the Green Party and all that. But I mean, people are just going to Man Point. They're going to Wilton. I mean, businesses, I, I take contracts. So I, 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 have, I have more contracts now in Man Point and 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 we'll say the like the Wilton. I wouldn't touch the city. I wouldn't go near the city strictly because of that. If I bring my van down there, a half is free to go in and bring my team in to do a job. It might, it might only take forty minutes, an hour and a half. I'm going to come back out, and if it depends on how many vans I have there on the day, but I'm, I'm going to be down forty or like I, I automatically started assuming that right. If I'm going to price a job in the city and I'm going to put it in such and such a for day, I actually deduct the ticket automatically because when I come back out they're going to be there uh-huh. it's a scam it's a complete and utter scam and I mean it's the council's job to make sure a, a city thrives nobody wants to go into the city anymore they have all the bollards on, on on Oliver Plunkett Street uh, completely closed off they're after messing up their access across the bridges you can't turn right now over I mean it's a nightmare the city is a bloody nightmare and it's gotten worse Okay, like you, you, you have every, the blessing,
2: inter- Edward. You have the blessing, if you like, in that you're a cleaning company. You can be nimble. You can move to a different area where conditions are better, where you're not getting ticketed. Completely. What, what what about the businesses who are domiciled in the city, the buildings, you know, the clothes shops, the coffee shops, the restaurants?
10: Look look at what's happening to the city. I, I, I cannot remember the last time I saw... The city absolutely thriving. The city, the, the, the council is decimating the city and they're, and they're lowering VAT rate and things like that. But, but like, what's the point in lowering VAT rates if nobody wants to go in there? Because I can tell you, even from my own friends, family, anything at all like that, they're not completely avoid the city. Stay out of the city. You're wasting your time. Like, because again, if I want to go into the city and even if it's for work or anything at all, like, I mean, the car parks are ridiculous as well, like, I mean, if, like I mean, I, I suppose I, ha- I have a car. I have a couple of vans, but even if I wanted to, if I wasn't walking and I was in my van and I, I needed to nip into the city, there's nowhere for me to, put, to park a van. If you're not driving a car, and like I, I nearly have to drive home, um, get my car to come back into the city. If I always absolutely public absolutely transport, of course. Oh, but look, Neil, look. I mean, look. I'm oh, sorry, Mick. I mean, that, that 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 that's a story for another day. I mean, who wants to get on a bus, you know, if they don't absolutely have to? The buses are a disgrace as well. I mean, I spent, like, I suppose my early 20s, I'm in my 30s now, but my early 20s getting buses and things like that, and they're rotten. Uh, they're rotten and unreliable. I mean, the bus service from when I was living in North Cork area, I mean, it could say 4 o'clock you mightn't see the bus at quarter to 5. Like, I mean, it's not reliable at all. I mean, that's, that's an issue for, for another day. But I need to know why the council, I mean, ever since it has happened, I have dropped more and more work because... I cannot park on Patrick Street. No, and you're probably not the, not, not the only
2: one, Edward. You're probably not the oh, only
10: no, 100%, one. A hundred percent. Look, I i i, I have a, I have a fairly good relationship with, with about a handful of my competitors as well, and I I, I asked them. Look, I mean, look, would you, would they be willing to take it on? And their response was the same. No yeah. way. I mean, we we, we tried, and um, we're getting fined. I mean, even Mick, even over Christmas. I mean, you don't see the, these guys around on a Sunday, right? So if you drive down Patrick Street on a Sunday, everybody's parking everywhere, right? Okay. But over Christmas, there there were around. There was a good a, a good ten of them outside Burger King on the Sundays in December. I mean, it's a money racket for the council. It's an absolute money racket, and that's all it is. And the council couldn't give a damn about the businesses. They're going to take a few percent off the VAT rate, but as I said, what's the point in doing that if nobody wants to go into the city? All right, Just Edward, saving, t- Deborah- thanks, thanks very
2: much. Feeling is running high, but no you... No problem, <laughs> You, you covered a lot there and uh, and we thank you for it i think uh, uh, good morning, Edward. I think if uh, anything 's going to be done, there needs to be um, an improved relationship shall we say between the uh, the ticket or the traffic wardens uh, and the commercial vehicles that would seem to me to be evident anyway uh, to allow those who are servicing the business in Cork uh, to do so without being ticketed uh, or to do so with some level of uh, uh, you know reasonable lenience. Uh, would seem to me to be one of the things that needs to be discussed. We've got news at 11 on the way. The Neil Prenderville
0: Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters.
2: Just to get some uh, text read, because uh, nothing worse than uh, people texting us and uh, we don't get around to them. It's impossible to get around to them all. Just know that we're making the best effort we can and the time allotted. Um, This one is titled Near Accident. Hi, Mick. I would have caused a car crash this morning in the Shaniquil area if it weren't for the lady driver who was on her guard and drove slowly into the intersection. She was able to stop before the cars hit each other. Responsibility lies with me 100% and I'm honestly in shock. I've been accident-free since I was uh, started driving in 2002 and now uh, I can't claim that with a clear conscience. I just want to say sorry to the lady driver as I'm sure she's in shock just as much as I am. I can only hope she'll be able to process the shock and that her day from here continues to be blessed. I also hope her colleagues, friends, family and whoever she meets today will be gentle and kind to her and that she can put herself first today. My gratitude is hers and also to all the other drivers because it's a dangerous business after all. Please take care of yourselves out there. Same applies tomorrow morning, folks. Uh, On Katrina Toomey and the homeless issues, well done, Katrina. She always looks after me when I pop in, and she's a heart of gold. I'm listening here this morning in Limerick, says Anthony Pickford. Uh, Me, Katrina, is the Mother Teresa of Cork. She's an absolute legend with the biggest heart. Hi, regarding rough sleepers, etc., why can't the government open up a building for the homeless the same way they do for thousands of immigrants? Our homeless are Irish so that's why they're not looked after disgusting carry on from the government another texture says I can't help but think of the 14,000 homeless in Ireland including over 4,000 children uh, and what they think of this government policy of housing the world the government has destroyed this country we have uh, people sleeping on the streets that should be provided with emergency accommodation and we've no excuses as we can house the world but not our own we have working families struggling to pay bills, yet we have millions of taxpayer euros uh, being spent on people who shouldn't be here. Uh, we have a government crippling people with climate change taxes, and yet we only produce 0.5% of the world's carbon. I would say we produce a lot less than that, but that's what the text says. Uh, we have 14,000 homeless, over 4,000 of them are children. People need to take to the streets and bring this government down. A protest is planned for Dublin for the 5th of February. Things need to change. The Irish government works for us and not the EU. They seem to have endless money for others, but no money for the Irish. It's a real shame, says another text here, that the people uh, who say we have to look after our own don't use their energy to help these rough sleepers, rather than use it to make other vulnerable people even more miserable. Uh, They don't give a monkey about our own, they just want an excuse to be racist and the final text just says support Irish because uh, our government will not. Back to the topics of the day and Super Value Park if that's what it's to be. Good morning Jean.
1: Uh, hello, morning how are you? How
2: are uh, I'm good. Do you agree with the proposed name change?
11: No, but no, well, no, not really. I I just believe that it's a, another example of where the corporate is, um, in, is supposed to be. Not that supposed to be, but they get naming rights, and with those naming rights, they're going to have input into you know. What happens, and it comes down eventually to to, to to ticket prices, and basically, I think it's a, a kind of a corporate takeover. Basically, uh, you know, a company now has kind of a sporting division, or our concerts division, or whatever whatever you'd like to call it so I think you know really that I think it should be left I mean it's traditional name Parker Cleaver uh, and it should be just le- it should be left like that it's a sporting organisation supposed to be it's supposed to be amateur like uh, we know it's more or less semi-professional with all the training and, and expenses that, that, that players um, have um, but as I say I think it'll just you know they, they, it'll come eventually and then they'll have they'll eventually um corporate will have their terms and conditions for for what, you know, will and won't be happening there. That's just my uh these in the, with the even with the professional you know, football in England, like um and to a certain extent in Ireland, but much more in England where the big where the big um sporting clubs are owned, you know, Basically, by by foreign foreign uh, foreign companies, or even even the homegrown companies, but they're kind of just it's it, you know makes them, it's a kind of uh, makes them all look good that they're that you know you know positive uh, positive uh, PR I suppose.
2: But Jean, and ad- attaching a corporate name to a venue that's uh, beloved by people is often a good way to painlessly uh, raise money. If you look at um Musgrave Park. I mean, that was a, a Musgrave name, and then it became uh, Irish Independent Park. Now it's to be, I think it's uh, Virgin Media Park. Uh, and this yeah, is a, it's I, an I, easy I, way. I mean, look 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 at the Aviva Stadium. The Aviva particularly suits suits that. Uh, I don't think anyone would, very few would call it Lansdowne Road anymore.
11: All this name changing! I myself, I I don't know. I think you have, you know, people get used to names, and it, and it ch- keeps on changing names. And I think it ends up actually more confusing that for the for the punter. I mean, not for the corporate It 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 just make any difference their name is honest. But I just think in general, like I still call the point the point. And lots of people say, "Oh, it's so and so at the point." Or, or you know, I just think the historical is trying. They're just trying, you know. What would you say disappeared? In, disappeared in different venues. Do you know, I'm sometimes I say like pe- you know people like say the old artists or, or Cleary's or whatever. And I think when you keep on changing company names, people don't have the same attachment to them. The, I'm talking about the ordinary, the ordinary punter. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, you know, I've uh, I've been to you the Point the Point Theatre
2: many times, but th- there's a generation <laughs> now who'll, who'll never know it was called the Point Theatre. That they they'll, they'll <laughs> yeah. only know it as the yeah. Three Arena.
11: Yeah, but then it, I I know I appreciate that. But then, as I say, if it, okay, if it changes once maybe. But it's like glucosate. Glucosate, when I was young, was for the sick. Now it's for the for the, it's a health drink. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's kind of a it's a kind of a makeover. Uh, but as I say, I think they lose. I think they lose a certain amount, except for the people that are really into whatever it is that that that. that uh, that, you know that they've changed the name too. Do you understand what I'm saying? I think you know, really, it, it loses it loses some of its historical. And you know, like we, we all of us, even younger people like to remember something the way it was. You know, when they were young. And it goes, then it can be intergenerational. All oh, my parents or grandparents attended this or that. Do you know what I mean? But I don't think Super Value or whatever it happens to be rolls off the tongue in the same way. I, I I
2: disagree. I, I'm I'm kind of already used to it, and I only heard about it twelve hours ago.
11: Yeah, I don't know. I just don't think. I I just don't. You, you, when you think of naturally, Supervalue is a grocery store, so you think of SuperValu. You think of groceries, and I know probably that's to encourage people to go to SuperValu. I, I I don't know, but um, I think really the, the the name of the place really, as I say, unless it's for some particular very big. Um, Reason that I think even I remember when I was young in Dublin, like the different stations that had different names, and it took generations for them to be changed. You know, in, in in people's vocabulary, for them to be changed, King's Bridge, and you know, th- diff- different places that you know that uh, that had diff- that were changed to you know an Irish name or a, a patriot's name or whatever it was. Uh, as I say, for a year it took probably. My generation, the next generation, to, to get used to calling it the new name. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Gene,
2: so I've I... I got, I got to leave it there. Thanks a million. Okay, Thank Take you, care. cheers, bye bye More text coming in This is going the same way as the Grand Canal Theatre which is a very good name now being called the Borgash Energy Theatre uh, It sounds ridiculous and no class uh, that deal they did in Dublin What's the big deal? I won't be calling it Super Value Park for starters It will always be Parky Cave or the park to me Maybe the money earned will make the GEA televise more games um, And uh, Tyke says Are there no depths to which the GEA won't stoop for money? Sean is on line one Hi Sean Mick, how are you? Very good. I ventured that uh, Super Value as a brand hasn't got so many free mentions on the Cork airwaves in a long, long time. Yes, yes, yes. You, yes, you can already say the rebranding is working.
12: It's all both. good for Super Value so far, isn't it, uh, Mick, Isn't it? It's doing good so far. This morning. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know, Mick, uh, You know, like are we selling out the whole thing? Like, you know, what do I call it? Keep it pocket, keep uh, put up billboards, hoardings around the stadium, and Super Value, whatever, advertised that way. Why do we have to change it? Like, you can see, like, for example, the point of the lady before me was talking, I just heard a little bit of her story there about point de- the point depot, uh, point, uh, what it was called. People know, know commonly know it as the tree arena. The point is gone, and we'll, she still calls it the point, you know, but more or less, as time goes on, it's lost. Uh, you talk about land lands on Landzone Roads, um, people commonly know it now as the the Aviva as, as opposed to Landzone. You know, all iconic names, Parker Keep Iconic, handed down from the generations before us and, you know, like it's going to be lost, Super Value Park. They say three years or whatever it is, five years of contract, but that will just roll on through, so again and again and then some other some other company will take it on from there. Yeah, so interesting I know,
2: thing, I Sean, know. is if, if, you, if you get the Lewis down to a concert at the 3 arena you're you're travelling to the final destination on that line which is called
12: point village point village yeah, but that's, that's about it that's about it really you know the the, the, the arena itself is called the the the, the three. It will come you know, just as the yeah, 3 it is the 3 arena you know? yeah so as, I, don't know, as, Mick, I don't know, Mick. Are we kind of are we kind of selling out our, our, our heritage, our culture? What will be next? Will maybe calling uh, but castle by a by a sponsored name or something or other iconic places around the city and the county and the country? You know what I mean? Where, are we are we selling out? Yeah, I, I wonder I, what it is the and also there, I heard the guy on the radio and the news there. The um the chairman of 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 of, of the Cork GA there, Kevin O'Donnell, he mentioned that this year is a non-concert year. It's not a non-concert year. There's uh, Bruce, Prince, Bruce Springsteen. Bruce Springsteen's playing there in May, so I don't know what he's on about there. He said this year's a non-concert year, so it's not. It, there's a concert in Park Keeve this year.
2: Yeah, Springsteen and the yeah. East Street Band are definitely playing. are here.
12: playing down there. You'll be there yourself, me? Uh, no. On a boat? <laughs> oh, on, on a, a boat, boat I, I might. <laughs> you might say a boat like the last time. Remember?
2: Uh, there, there, yeah. There, there, there are very few concerts, uh, and I, I used to go like twenty concerts a year, big ones. Uh, there are very it, few that it, would it. attract me anymore to stand in a field like sh- uh, like Slane, uh, or or yeah, exactly. or queue up at the styles of of Croke Park. Exactly. You and
12: prefer to be in the VIP, I know, but you two in the Sphere or something like
2: that. <laughs> no, ah. I haven't been. Uh, I, I do. I, I, I do prefer quality music in 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 yeah. theatre
12: auditorium venues because you just exactly. get that. Yeah. As, as you get older, you kind of like to be more comfortable, well, like that. Post the queuing up and uh, That's some slagging you're giving me there. Oh. I am only really kidding, McBride. You're way used to it. I know yeah. You're Take, way you to Take a hand. You. Sean,
2: one 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 final thing. It's not as if we we don't have historical precedence about naming things in Cork. I mean we already have the uh, <clears throat> the Kino Cinema. Kino Cinema? There you go. I never, I I never,
12: I never heard of the Kino Cinema. There you go. All, All the on. best. Cheers. Right. Bye-bye. Right.
3: Text or WhatsApp Neil Now. 0868 104 106.
0: The Neil Prendiville Show on Red FM. 11.24
2: on this Tuesday morning. Uh, On the Penny Dinners subject, I published a second cookbook at the start of January. A donation from each book sold is going to Penny Dinners. My book is 10 euro. And if people contact me on my Facebook page, Catherine's Old Time Recipes, I can supply them with one. With help from the people of Cork City and County, we can support penny dinners. Thanks, says Catherine Murphy from McCroom. That's Catherine's old-time recipes. On the homeless, you mentioned that 91% of the homeless have substance abuse. Uh, 91% of those who died, actually. Uh, but the texture says, I'm sure there are many foreigners in international protection who are addicts, but they have warm beds. On the business closures, Adrian Cummins is right. Government politics is killing Irish businesses. Uh, leave the hotels on the high VAT rate, says another texter, but lower it for everyone else. I've booked hotels for two big events in Cork and the hotels have doubled their rates. I'm going to miss the White Rabbit as a Corkman living in Offaly. I loved that place when I came back. Uh, the one eatery that won't be closing down or even affected by the pressures causing businesses to close down is the Doyle Bar and Restaurant. Uh, I 100% agree with Edward the council is the challenge they're closing off streets to traffic there's fines being given out like skittles no one wants to go into the city because of the council my business had contracts there but I was paying out more in fines than I was earning and so I don't work in the city anymore just like Edward and his company Uh, they ticket commercial vehicles now he's dead correct Um, trying to make a living says that texture. I was recently charged 4 euro 25 for a regular-sized cappuccino in the city. That's outrageous, and it would stop me going back there. I pay two euro less in my local town for a bigger coffee. They really have overdone it. Uh, Tell the first citizen that opening a business is the easy bit, running it and keeping it running profitably is the tricky bit, uh, says Paddy. Blah, blah, blah. The city council rates are too high. There simply are zero incentives in City Hall to bring life to our city. And now there's an injection centre on the cards. Uh, great ideas from the Father Ted Council. Uh, why are you focusing so much on city closures? There are closures in the county too, I did acknowledge that we listen to Red FM in the county also so we deserve some mention too. Well please get in touch on 0818104106 if you know of or are uh, uh, involved in a business uh, that uh, has closed down 0818104106 104 A uh, couple of more texts and we'll get back to our phone lines I get it, there's a perfect storm contributing to why businesses are closing. But the one major factor behind these closures, in my opinion, is the cashless society. The business owners can't really come out and say this, but it's the main reason. So if you don't want to see more businesses closing down, let's all go back to using cash says Jay in Cove. And the final one for now, ask the Lord Mayor why Blackpool has been cut off from directly accessing McCurtain Street without having to go through town. This is causing traffic congestion by removing lanes to facilitate buses turning at the already tight road by Brewery Corner. I drove that road actually uh, recently and I must say for the first time, even though it's well signposted, it can be a little confusing. Let's go back to our phone lines and uh, to line two. And Christine Duff, who is a beauty therapist, and uh, this is uh, one of our topics in social media over the weekend. We're finally getting to it. A big issue for many, many kids being given unvetted access to social media, Uh, some influencers being followed, um, kids using products uh, and and advocating that kids use products, uh, people like the Kardashians. Christine uh, Duff, good morning to you.
13: Good morning, Mick, how are you?
2: Very good. We have texts that came in from this uh, social media post. Um, The only, you know, my 8-year-old, my 10-year-old, my 11-year-old. Why are kids as young as that on social media in the first place?
13: I suppose that's down to their parents and down to, you know, pressure, I suppose, of of who allows them to have access to the phones. Like, I have a 15-year-old daughter and a nearly 14-year-old son, and I find... That with them, I was having this conversation with them yesterday, and my fifteen-year-old laughed and she said, "Oh yeah, that's the Sephora generation. The Sephora is the American shop where they're all, you know, oh, watching know. the videos and yeah." So she she laughed about it because even for her to be fifteen and laugh about an eight ten-year-old wanting the the brands that they're all using, um, it is it is a lot of it to do with social media. And even if social media wasn't there, a lot of it would probably come from different people in the school. You know yourself from when you were in school or even when you are in a work environment, there is a little bit of pressure to do what everyone else is doing or have the thing that the other person has. But I suppose the topic is the products that they're using. They can be so active on their skin, they'll actually cause more harm than good. Yeah,
2: More, more harm, I would venture, if... Uh, you have children obsessed with ageing. It doesn't make sense.
13: Absolutely, yeah, I totally agree. It's, um, It's bizarre because a lot of the products that are being produced now, you know, how much research is actually being done on them? How many tests have they done? Like, I know when my daughter was at that age... I did start on a skincare routine. Just it was very basic, and um, I can only speak from our experience. We used the simple brand because the name itself it's simple, and it was just basically a very light cleanse the face, moisturize. There was no toning. There was no masks. Now they have jade rollers. They have hairbands for just shaking off skincare. Hairbands for just putting on the moisturizer. It's I like. Even as a beauty therapist of 20 years, some of the trends I've seen over the years, this one now is, um, it's frightening, I suppose, because you'll get parents then that they won't actually have the strength to stand up to their children and say no, and they'll, they'll cave into the peer pressure of it, and they'll buy them not knowing and not being educated as to what's actually in the products, and they'll buy them simply because, oh, well, such and such person's child has it, or they saw it online, so, you know, everything now is everything's to do with tiktok if so you ask your child a question where did you see that oh, on tiktok i even have it with my own teenagers they'll hear a song and they say oh that song is so cool and i say well you know that was out of my day it's not new it's not cool it was out already
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> now looking at one of the reports um experts they, they don't put an age on this they just say at a young age but apparently experts are recommending simple skincare routines at a young age now we're not talking about Makeup and and all all the rest of that that stuff. We're just talking about cleaning twice a day, perhaps using a light moisturizer for your skin, and of course applying sunscreen if the UV rays are strong.
13: Absolutely, yeah. Because like a child's skin is still developing, like the layers of skin that you have on your face, especially like your outer layer on a child, that the turnover on that is amazing. So it's it's multiplying like way faster than adult's face so if they're putting active ingredients like vitamin C and retinols and other substances that are designed to dissolve off layers of ageing skin they're in theory they're actually causing burns they can you know you can have really bad reactions and um, it's just purely down to lack of education as well like as I said you know you could have a child that's at home saying, oh, mom, such and such person was talking about this. Can we go get it? And, you you know, you'll have the parents that go, yeah, yeah, OK, no problem, without doing their research. But it is a lot of it's coming from social media. And then that stems from the question of, you know, what age do you give a child a phone? What age do you allow them access to social media? Um, I just think it's, it's a collective thing. You know, it comes from the parents talking to each other. It's having open conversations with the kids as well, like trying to explain to an eight-year-old, that the creams that you're seeing other children use online, they're not necessarily good for you. It's like if you asked a child to bake a cake and you used strong flour. Strong flour is only designed for pizzas. You wouldn't put strong flour in your cake ingredients. So it's trying to give them an analogy that they'll be able to understand and internalise in their little minds and think, oh, okay, well, maybe that'll make more sense then for them.
2: Okay, so if they have access to social media at a young age and if they are being bombarded uh, with these flashy and expensive uh skincare products uh can mm-hmm. can they actually do damage then?
13: Oh well, 100%. Of course you can. Yeah. You could cause long-term burns, you can cause um you know like I I've, I've even seen it over the years in the salon when you would have people that might have overplucked their eyebrows like I know when I was in school it was the trend to have really really skinny eyebrows and a lot of people my age now they regret doing it and they've all, well, the majority of them have had to get, you know, the eyebrows tattooed on. Like that was another trend a couple of years ago, which can be great if someone actually has a severe lack of hair and, you know, they're missing their eyebrows. But it's come from over
2: At least, Christine, back in those days, uh, any alterations or any colouring would be where the eyebrows were meant to be, where they were naturally yeah. part of, of, of where they are on your face. These <laughs> days, they're like the McDonald's Arches.
13: Oh, and I know some of them. You know, again, then you can't you can't pick on them or you can't say they look too thin or they look too thick. You penalised for saying that. So each to their own, <laughs> But even with regards to skincare, it's it's very sad because um, I would have had seen other people over the years then as well that you know when they we will we'll say when they're kind of maybe 14, 15 and they do go through puberty and they might have severe acne and they have to go to a dermatologist and then they might end up on really strong medication. They'll end up on retinol and retinoids and some of them are extremely potent. They, you know, they can cause damage to the liver. Um, I don't know, it's going down a whole other route but it's, it's that some of these products that are designed now, they have really, really strong active ingredients like retinol, especially, that's designed to essentially dissolve off little layers of your your skin. So if you're an eight or nine-year-old and you, you get access to that, you can cause very, very long-term damage.
2: Okay, is, is it fair to say that the fairer sex, I'm trying to be uh, all-inclusive here now, the fairer I sex <laughs> from 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 puberty to the grave... Uh, are spending money on products to mine their skin and to look younger uh whereas the uh, the rest of us who aren 't the vera sex um you know we we might hate conditioning our skin we might hate shaving oh, I have to do that again um and and, and don't tend to go into anti aging products as much as the ladies do, shall we say
13: yeah I would agree with that and I would say a lot of it as well is to do with a, a mixture of everything. There's the environment, there's your diet, there's your genetics. It's not just skin care. And again over the years from looking at different people's skin and meeting different people with different conditions, a lot of it, it could be something simple as you're eating the wrong foods and it's showing on your skin, whereas you could have the best skincare routine ever, you could spend all the money on all the expensive products but if you're not looking at yourself as a whole system, your diet, your you know, as I said, your genetics like I've met people in their 80s and their skin is like soft butter, it's beautiful and you'd say, oh what did you use and you get the response oh that's the Pans cold cream, you know the real old one,
2: yeah, yeah. so so um, I, I remember oil of uh, oil of yule oil bef- of before. Yeah, no, Olay I remember Olay, it was yeah. oil of yule, and they changed it for some reason yeah. to, to, to ole. I mentioned puberty there in my last question. Um, yeah. can I just maybe put it this way: Is puberty time enough for a girl to be applying makeup? As puberty, by necessity, is time for a boy to start shaving, for instance.
13: I would agree with that with the application of makeup, yes, but with the with um, having a skincare routine, I would definitely say around the 8 or 9, it's like it, it would be encouraging to allow your child to have, you know, access to cleansing their face twice a day, not necessarily going out and getting all the trendy stuff, but just to be aware of how to clean your face, you know, using your face cloth, using a very very light child-friendly kind of cream or wash that's just going to cleanse their face and if you're heading out in the day a little bit of an SPF or a very basic moisturiser but not to the extent that you have a full get ready with me routine which is the route that we're going down with the social media side of things
2: Yeah, okay Now let's let's concentrate on that for a moment I I remember those days when, when the girls had the penciled on eyebrows It was around the same time that the boys had the penciled thin leather ties if you remember
13: you, oh my God! Do
2: you remember those yeah. leather ties? They were about a <laughs> half an inch wide. Um, but back in back in th- those days, of course, there there wasn't cameras everywhere. You took your photographs yeah. to the to the chemist to get developed, and you came back a week later, and they were there. But now there's instantaneous yeah. millions of cameras in your face. Um, lots of pressure to look good all the time. Kids constantly taking photos and taking videos, putting them up on Snapchat and Instagram for all to see. So social media has a lot to do with this, hasn't it?
13: Yeah, it does. And like you can look at it in a few different ways. Like in one way, social media can be very good to help you build your confidence. Like I've met people that use their social media um, and you know they come across extremely confident. They might be doing makeup tutorials. These are adult women who I'm talking about. And then you meet them in person and they will be quite shy and reserved and they will say, oh, that's my safe space. I find that I can really blossom and it can really talk confidently behind my phone and put on my makeup and do my eyelashes and, you know, apply the whole face. But if I sit in a room of, say, 20 people and do it, it crumble. So it's getting at core issues then as to the confidence side of things. Like, I'm not against social media by no means, but it's when it infects the brain to the point that you have children dragging their parents into shop saying, we need this. Like, I remember even when those, um, can I name the brand, you know, the elephant drops
2: uh, elephant, yeah, vaguely was was that yeah. was was that uh, drunk elephant or something?
13: Yeah, the drunk elephant drops. they was a big thing about them. Um, was it about two years ago? And like my daughter, she's fifteen now, so she was thirteen then. Even then, she was influenced. She was like, "Oh my god, can I get them? And will you try and get them?" And <laughs> I'm brutally honest. I said, "No, you don't need them. <laughs> you don't need them. You're too young." Um, so it's like it is funny. Like I did say as well the other day. Um, it was a craze with the water bottles. Like, you know, everyone Everyone at Christmas wanted a Stanley Cup. Everyone, absolutely
11: everyone.
13: <laughs> There's just another phase, you know. It's, they're just phases and stages, but you'd, you'd hate to see a child applying products on their skin now that are going to cause long-term damage. Yeah. That would be my worry. That's the basic like, message the here, battle, here yeah. to
2: parents. There, there is a time and a place yeah. for everything, uh, but no point allowing your daughter to put uh, physical products on her skin that That will effectively damage that skin for later life,
13: absolutely, and it's about having conversations with your child, like first of all, educate yourself, so if your child comes up to you and says, "Oh look, such and such person is talking about this product. can they please get it? We know we really need it." You know, answer it and just go, oh, well, I'll have a look at it. I'll read about it. I'll, you know, I'll do the questions and check out and research and we'll see if it's for your age. And kids are really understanding. A lot of people think that they're not, but they actually are. Like, you know, you'll get the, you know, you get the little kids that'll whine and they'll moan and whatever. But if you get down to their level and you speak to them and say, "Okay, we're going to look at this, we're going to see what happens, then they will understand and explain to them then in the best way possible. Like, you know yourself, you can't go to a, a movie that's for grown ups because the age limit is for the grown ups.
2: Okay, and I'm going to, spot, going to put you on the spot. Going to put you on the spot here, Christine, and ask you probably a very flippant question, right? Uh, because there there are times some of our male listeners have to have another shave by the time that uh, their partners are ready. What's a decent amount of time for a girl? I'm just going to get ready. How? What's it? Is it thirty <laughs> minutes? Yeah, just, I, only a personal observation here now
13: um, from experience over the years I can now be ready myself in less than 15 minutes ah, but you're a beauty therapist
2: you're a beauty <laughs> therapist
13: but a regular a regular person if they had if they were given notice and they said right we're going for dinner tonight I would definitely say a good hour just to be comfortable okay <laughs> <laughs> but everyone's different everyone's for me
2: that's different. hard to understand I'm reminded of the old saying uh, when when a, when a lady says she'll be ready in five minutes it's about exactly the <laughs> same amount of time as when a man says he's down the pub I'll be home in five minutes
11: that's very true. Thanks, Christine.
2: <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks so much, mate. Bye bye. And speaking bye. of confidence, we have a confidence expert next on The Neil Prenderville Show. Call Neil now
3: 0818 104 106.
0: The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM.
2: 16 minutes to midday, and we have Eileen Keen Halley from Jumpstart Your Confidence on Line One. Good morning, Eileen.
1: Hi, good morning Mick, how
2: are you? Oh very good, I was hoping to talk to you yesterday uh, because I know you're a confidence uh, you know, you, you'll be looking at depression and moods and all that kind of thing in your work uh, Yesterday was apparently uh, Blue Monday the people are the most depressed two weeks out from Christmas, halfway to the paycheck, uh, bad weather skating around the roads etc um, but uh, as it happens we can talk to you on many topics and here we are looking once again as we've discussed before at uh, youngsters online getting influenced to try products that are maybe uh, not for them for five or six more years.
1: Yeah, I suppose, look, it's a never-ending tale really of the influence social media has on young people, of all all ages actually, but look, we're focusing on young people. Um, And I I suppose if they're not getting a voice somewhere else, like if they're not getting it at school, if they're not getting it at home, then they are going to presume that this is the way things are. I would be a strong believer that we have not... um, Given the kids the tools to deal with the world they're in on any level, and you know we are we are going to pay the price for that one going forward. Yeah, to be fair to kids, I mean their third hand is their phone, so unless they're told otherwise, they are going to believe an awful lot of what's on there, especially the younger kids. Uh,
2: isn't because it kids kind of imagine. ironic that um, w- when they're at their most impressionable, and when, when we would love them to have as long a childhood and as long an innocent um, look at the world as possible, we put the most. Uh, impression driving machine into their hands and give them free access to all sorts of things.
1: Yeah, and I think, I suppose, you know, no judgment here on anybody because it's kind of newish, you no, know, it's not that new, let's face it, but. And um, as parents, we do have a massive responsibility here. I mean, there's a reason why people say don't give them a phone till, you know, okay, end of sixth class, going into first year, obviously they need a phone because that's going to be helpful and useful for a lot of different reasons. But before that, It's a very dangerous device. It's like saying, would you open your front door and let everybody walk into your home and let your child have a free reign of everybody? Of course you wouldn't. But yet, on these phones, they have a ridiculous amount of freedom and they are getting some very damaging information that I've worked with kids, you know, who actually been freaked out by stuff they see online and who are really confused by it, whether it's sexual content, whether it's friendship contact, whether it's romantic, whatever it might be. Violence, you know, you name it, it's out there. And kids are 10 steps ahead of us, 9, times out of 10. So they have access to absolutely everything that they want to get access to if we're not controlling it in some way. And as I said before, you know, I think I know the schools are full of curriculum and their schedules are busy. But we do have a responsibility to educate kids on how to live in the world they live in. And in my opinion, that education is zero.
2: Okay, there there are sanitized versions of phones that you can give younger children in which they can be contacted, uh, on which they can text but they can't access the internet with the readiness that, that most open contract phones can do. Would yeah. you agree with that? Like what, age, what age are you talking about? I, I don't know. That's the next question. You, you are yeah. a, you're a qualified life and parent coach. You've got a background yeah. in child psychology. What is the correct age to give well, uh, a, I, a multimedia well, device good. to a child?
1: Yeah, 100%. But look, I suppose kids are different, right? We all know some kids are going to be more prone to be a bit more rebellious or whatever. And we we'll know that ourselves. I do think a parent knows their child better than anybody else. So if you feel your kid is responsible enough and they're going to you know, stick by your boundaries at 12 in sixth class, then I would be inclined to say, give them the phone then, have the boundaries in place, be really strict with the boundaries, because at that age you have that power over them. But if you wait till 13, 14, and you're trying to implement the same rules, it's going to be a lot harder because they're going to be even more rebellious or they're going to be cuter or cleverer to get around whatever you're doing. At the age of like communion, 8, 9, 10, I just have no comprehension why any child needs a phone.
2: Okay. Even a, even a sanitized,
1: child oh friendly
2: one, when communication device.
1: When are they ever going to be anywhere? Okay, if, you if, don't know if, where if the are. peer
2: pressure of other parents, you know, not having the same sensibilities comes to play, and if your 8, 9 and 10-year-old is, you know, having a bad mood or is depressed, how is that dealt with?
1: Because of not having the phone, is it? Mm, yeah. No, not not well, being... I'm sorry, not... no, but we all have to have our, our own family values and boundaries within our family. And I would often say, you just say... Well, that's in their family. But in our family, you get a phone when you're 12. End of. Kids will actually go along with these if we stick to them. The problem is if we're flippant and we kind of say one thing one day and move it over and change it the next day, then kids are confused and then they'll fight and argue and battle. But in my experience, with my four, and I mean, you know, it's not that I was the strictest parent on earth at all at all, but we did have rules about phones in bedrooms or we might try and have rules about phones if there was a few over hanging out together. And they might tell me I was you know, they call me all these names. But they stick with it. If I stick with it, they'll stick with it. Yeah. If it's reasonable and they know it's reasonable.
2: In, in the last interview, we kind of touched on the the whole topic of boy shaving versus, you know, girls with makeup. Uh, the boys shave when nature decides they have to. But the girls yeah. have access to mum's makeup from six and seven years. In fact, it's often uh, a funny thing that, uh, you know, little Mary yeah. goes in at five years of age and destroys herself and comes out and everyone laughs.
1: Well, I think that's that's probably different in that that's kind of a playful, you know, monkey see, monkey do. She wants to be like her mum. That's a very natural play kind of experience for young kids, male or female, actually. But when it comes to a child feeling they can't go out without makeup because they don't feel confident enough that they're not good enough as they are, then that is a bit of a problem. Uh-huh. You know, I think we have to be careful too, um, within the family home, what are we teaching our kids? So are we obsessed about how we look? Are we obsessed about our makeup? Are we obsessed to say we can't go anywhere without it or we, we don't look good without it? We just have to be a little bit careful the message we're giving. And then I think with the kids, you know, I suppose give the praise and the compliments around things outside of appearance, you know, whether they're kind, thoughtful, their sport, their cookie ability, whatever it may be. But just to be aware, and sometimes I say put a reminder in your phone. From the parents' perspective, but be aware to compliment kids and other stuff outside of appearance, because appearance it's one tiny part of who they are. And really, if they don't have the rest of a grand internally, <clears throat> the appearance side of it isn't going to get them too far.
2: Yeah, we're, we're seeing because young. You are seeing young kids now, of course, getting bronzed for uh, even as even as young as as their communion, for instance. Was that something you recommend?
1: Oh God, help us, really. <laughs> No, it's not. I mean, I'm wondering who wants the branding here? Is that the parent of the child? Uh-huh. That's a question you've got to gather. I don't think, I th- you know, a parent's role is to give the best advice to their kids, help the kids to become independent, help them to believe in themselves, et cetera, et cetera. With that, we have to be able to say no when we feel that's our job to do. And sometimes it's much easier to say yes you know, and this is a problem, a huge problem we have today, a much easier response is yes, because you don't have the follow-on battle and the follow-on arguments and whatever. But our role as parents isn't to be their friends, it's to be their parents. So if we feel for our child, regardless of peer pressure, regardless of what Joe Blodz is doing next door, if we feel for our child the right answer is no, then we stick with it. And again, if we feel it's yes, and we feel our child is ready for freedom, maybe before their cousin or their you know, neighbour or whoever, then that's our choice to say yes. But I would say, trust your instinct with your child, and each child within your family will be different. Yep. And each of them will have different needs, and, you know, they'll need different boundaries. And that has to come into play. And it's not, you know, like we all know, it's not an easy job by any stretch. But it is, I've seen, I've worked with kids who have actually said to me they wish their parents would say no.
2: Sorry. Sorry, say, say that again.
1: That they would have appreciated had their parents said no. Okay. It's because sometimes kids aren't ready for certain things, and if they're not getting the no from home, then they are much more inclined to go with the peer pressure because they find it hard to say no themselves.
2: But of course, the, the, the main no. the main portal, the main channel for all of the influence, all of the bad stuff, all of you know, all the garish stuff, all of the social media peer pressure. The main portal for all of that is the electronic smartphone.
1: Yeah, it's shocking. And like, to be fair to the kids, as I said already, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart, and I'm working with this every day of the week, these kids are not educated on how to live in the world they're in. And that's just not fair. It's really not fair. We put this thing in their hands at whatever age you choose to do it. But what they are open to is just harrowing. And some of them emotionally, mentally, they're not able to deal with what they're seeing. So it's just keep an eye on it. There are different... um websites and different apps that you can use to keep an eye on your kids when they're very young so that you know if they're going into anything they shouldn't be going into and that's what I'm saying about giving it to them maybe at sixth class if you feel your child is responsible, get them into the the right routines, the right boundaries and then going forward it's easier to keep the boundaries Mm -hmm.
2: I I know you lecture in schools schools, Eileen should there be phone bans across certain age groups in schools?
1: Well, I just think within the school system, to be fair, you know, when they're sticking their head in a phone, it is very antisocial and it does make it a lot harder for kids to connect if they don't have phones during break. Now, I know, again, it can be for kids who are having a hard time, you know, with friendships or whatever, the phone might be a good place for them to hide, but it does curtail that open conversation that open chat and that's right up into college years you know where we're just by sticking ahead in the phone the conversations aren't happening the connections aren't happening that should naturally be happening at that age at that time okay continued
2: success in your coaching of course people can contact you through your website which is www.jumpstartyourconfidence.com it's it's a it's a passion of yours and of course you're coaching all ages Eileen
1: yeah, I work with mostly 8 to 18s, but generally kind of 8 to 22, 23. Um, and yeah, I absolutely love it.
2: And since we last spoke, which is probably a year and a half ago or so, are things evolving all the time? Are things changing?
1: Um, yeah, I suppose a big area that I would find a lot with at the minute, I suppose the parent-child relationship. Very often, if I have a kid in who's struggling, and if we sit down and if the parent comes and we end up having a conversation with three of us or four of us if the two parents are there, it's just a communication. It's to try and get each side to actually speak openly as much as they can so that going forward they can build on that relationship. But we all know when a house is busy and people are in different rooms on their devices, it's very difficult to actually understand what is going on in people's heads. I'd often say to the early teens, the mid-teens, late-teens, whatever, parents cannot read your mind. You know, if there's something down, if you can't say it, text it. If you don't want to text it, write it. But get those feelings and thoughts out if there's something upsetting you or something bothering you because they cannot read your mind and vice versa as well. So when parents come in, maybe stressed and, you know, work, family, whatever might be going on in their lives, be open and let your kids know that you're having a tough time and you're struggling and that's where your mood is coming from it's nothing to do with them. Okay. And, and, so I think and, and, the communication is huge and we're kind of missing it a little bit in a lot of areas.
2: Yeah a big help in communication will be putting the phones away with that family meal time uh, Absolutely we,
1: and like that has to be the parent as well which can go cool very exactly. difficult for some parents Got to go Eileen Thank, go pa- Thanks all a million right, thanks as so always
2: much. www.jumpstartyourconfidence.com That's Eileen Keane Halley To finish and go for news at midday just some of your texts The GAA uh, topic If Cork goes on and wins the All-Ireland this year and Hoggy gets the winning score they can call it the Queen Elizabeth Park for all I care We need the funding to compete with Limerick it's as simple as that. On the Cork City businesses, good morning. There are too many mobile coffee trailers around. They're affecting the businesses that pay rates, etc. Maybe it would be no harm for a few of them to shut down. Uh, on skincare, use soap and water like long ago. For God's sake, what a load of crap putting out all that stuff your kids' faces. I'm listening to Christine in complete agreement. So-called influencers on social media, many of them local, have a lot to answer for, which is why I have them muted. I asked my teens about this recently, and they said the ones... Uh, who would sell their souls for a few bob and a few likes are so obvious. And one final one. It's not children's fault, it's the parents. Parents are letting their children have everything they want these days and are spoiled beyond belief. Years ago, if I got a new pair of shoes once a year, I was delighted. Nowadays, they have everything and they still aren't happy. That's the Neil Prandeville show for this morning. Uh, my thanks to the production team, Seamus, Claire and Breida. And we'll talk to you tomorrow morning, bright and early.
0: When court talks, car people blow my mind.
3: They talk to Neil Prendeville
2: on Red FM.